Show episode number 155. My name is John Morgan. Cold Coffee is, well, he's, he's not with me today. He's back home in Las Vegas. I am in London, England for UFC Fight Night 127. Verdum versus Volkoff. And even though we don't have Cold Coffee in the house, we are rolling deep with the Junkie crew. Joining me right now, Simon Head, Shamakar Sandu, both on the microphone, and of course, MMA Junkie Pair and Abby Subban are hanging out, doing some work in the background. Fellas, we're rolling deep. How you doing? All good. Bit croaky, but all good. Yeah, yeah. Let's hope this voice holds up for a little while. I've been hearing this 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 ridiculous voice of yours on this MMA media predictions for the past couple of weeks. And, uh, bro, I don't, go take some penicillin or something, man. I need to do something. I need to do something. There's a doctor's referral in my future, so and probably probably some antibiotics. But for, for now... Well, a can of cold lager. Frosty beverages is all you need, man. A, That's, that that makes all the world go right. It's medicinal. I was about to say, you know, having some uh, some Nando's, uh, <sighs> which can get a little chilly at times, depending on what flavor you go for yeah. on the tears, and uh, and some Fosters, you know, they ain't going to help the old throat. <laughs> to be fair, Fosters isn't going to help anything. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, oh, it is. It's, it's because it, is it was cheap and we, we, we could buy it in suitable quantities. The funny thing that we've learned traveling is that in Australia, they don't drink Fosters at all. Like, it, like it, it's like rude to ask for it. They, they, it they they, they, they hate it. I don't know that, really. Yeah. yeah, it's because it's like the worst possible lager you could buy. And it's, yet somehow it's like, we, we think that that's Australians. That's that's how they do it. Well, well no, they just give us their bad lager. That's what they do. We're having some cans of Fosters, but John, you're stepping your game up a little well, bit. Well, I was going to say, all right, uh, I'm having a little bottle of red wine over here. You know, the, I don't know why, but lately, maybe it's the... Uh, the maturity of me hitting uh, 40 years old earlier today, by the way. Tonight, Thursday night, as we sit down to record, this is my birthday. I am 40 years old, which hurts to say. Uh, but, yeah, I've been drinking a little bit more wine lately. And it's funny because, uh, like, the first night we were here, Abby looked over and he's like, bro, I'm kind of proud of you, man. He's like, you're switching off the beer. You're, you're going to wine. Like, that's a healthy decision. I was like, yeah, but I just finished my second bottle of it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, Swings I and roundabouts. Yeah, I was like, I don't, I don't know if there's that much health when you're doing two bottles of it, but it is what it is. Uh, all right, listen. Uh, all right, we said it's my 40th birthday. I was going to talk about this in a second, but you know what else I realized this day? We'll, we'll go ahead and touch on it. Another anniversary that's celebrated this week that I did not realize until just a few hours ago. March 13th, 1998, okay? 20 years and two days ago. UFC 16 battle in the Bayou at Pontchartrain Event Center in New Orleans, Louisiana. It was the first live UFC I ever attended Whoa. 20 years ago. You know what's funny? I was just about to ask you. I was like, John, you know what? You're 40 years old now. You know How many of those years have been dedicated to you being an MMA fan slash journalist? And 20 years go. ago was the first one I ever attended. Life. Yeah, I mean, I watched it before, um, but I was actually celebrating my birthday, obviously. 20 years ago, my birthday was also March 15th. Uh, this was March 13th, and uh, we, we rolled down to – they said New Orleans, Louisiana. It's not New Orleans, Louisiana. It's Kenner, Louisiana is where this, like, little tiny place was, small venue. Um, I remember I, I, I can't I, – I sat front row. I, I sat cage side, and if I remember right, I believe I paid $50 for the ticket. It might have even been less than that. It was me and a girl I was dating at the time. Front row, 50 bucks. You can't even get in the, you can't even get in the door now for 50 bucks at these events. I sat front row. Tiny little building. Uh, it's funny. We pulled it up one time on Fight Pass before. If you actually pulled up, the very first fight, as you see Bruce Buffer come out 
to, to call the very first fight, announce the very first fight, you'll see me and the girl I was dating at the time, a 20-year-old John Morgan, a couple pounds lighter, a couple pounds lighter. Uh, you know, not quite nearly as stylish, of course, but uh, yeah, 20 years ago. You know, it's crazy. I would actually love to kind of almost hear a podcast about that entire experience. And who knows, maybe, you know, if you want to add a, an extra tier to the Patreon a, services. Well, it just so happens you've, <laughs> you've not seen her in 20 years, but she's here tonight. <laughs> Uh, that's fantastic. All right, well, listen, let's get into it. Uh, we're going to talk all about USC Fight Night 127, but I, I feel like, and I can't believe I'm saying this, I feel like we have to start with Floyd Mayweather. I f- I, we're never, we're never going to be done with this damn guy. I, I thought, you know, we were going to, we, 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 we got our boxing match, we're going to get this work in, we're done. But the statement came out today, right? He tells TMZ he, he's training, he feels good about it, you know, he, he, Big ups his wrestling, his kicking game. You know, he says he's, he's learning. He's going to do this. It's just a matter of the UFC, you know, putting the right financials out there. And, and, and guys, I, I don't know. I mean, I didn't think they were ever going to box. I didn't think they were ever going to box. You know, I remember when it first came out, you know, I said this is never going to happen. And over the course of a year, we see how things change. But what, what do you guys think? I mean, is it ridiculous that, 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 we're, that we're even entertaining this? Or is this, is this damn fight going to happen? We, I've, I've learned now to not think that things – aren't going to happen because I, I wrote off May uh, Mac first time round and yet it happened right against all common sense probability and everything else the fight happened right and it was a massive massive commercial success but this is like professional suicide if you're Floyd Mayweather he's undefeated as a professional boxer he wants to step into the UFC not just have his own MMA match right <clears throat> excuse me he if he was having his own MMA match, Mayweather promotions, bring in some tomato can opponent. He doesn't want to do that. He wants to go to the UFC. Right. And he wants, therefore, they're going to have to find him an opponent. Right. And the fight will be ridiculed unless he gets someone of reasonable ability. CM Punk. That's as stupid as it sounds. That's literally the only fight you can make, right? It's I mean, also it's the a stupid only fight. fight you can make. It's also a fight that should never be sanctioned. In the same way that you could argue that McGregor Mayweather should never have been sanctioned, okay. from a boxing perspective, you could lean on McGregor's competitive professional martial arts slash combat sport experience. Plus use, say, plus size. Yeah. So there were certain aspects that you could lean on and say, well, he's closing the gap a little bit in a few... CM Punk is not has not shown yet that he's a professional combat sportsman. He stepped in... How long did that fight last? 90 seconds? Right. Right. Did he land a punch? No. No. Did he land any offense? No. And when he got taken down, did he show any grappling ability at all? Okay, no. but but hold on, but but I could have gone in and done exactly the same thing. Okay, but if you're not so if you're not saying 170, that one, Okay, but if you well <laughs> that's the thing too, yeah. But if you're saying that shouldn't be sanctioned, yeah. then should you sanction Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather in an MMA fight? No, absolutely not. Because that just seems to me like a, a you know, a public execution. Absolutely not. The only the only the only way you can legitimately do this is have somebody who's had some martial arts training, but is is still green, is still raw. Mike Jackson. I, Mike Jackson is probably a, a better fit. But that doesn't get you five hundred million dollars, right? I mean, I mean, I know. Does Floyd mean. sell like all that much just by himself? Like, but what are we Floyd doing? Here? Versus- are we are we doing are we doing professional sport or are we doing WWE wrestling? Where you're putting name versus name, and this this this, this line, which used to be a very thick line between between sport entertainment and MMA turned into a bit of a dotted line and now it's all but eroded now where 
fights are being made not for any competitive uh, standpoint where it makes sense. It's all about maximizing the return. Right. And I understand it. It's about money. You I don't agree money. with it. I understand it because for me, the UFC should be held to the highest possible standards. It used to be, and still is, the gold standard of the sport. Right. They've expanded their roster to the point that there are people coming in at the bottom level who you would, wouldn't previously have considered as UFC standard, but that's because the sport has grown and, and, and expanded. But you need to you need to do this you need to do this properly. And if Floyd Mayweather wants to fight MMA, great. But you've got to match him appropriately. Because if you just sling him in with CM Punk, it will look ridiculous. If you throw him in with Conor McGregor, McGregor will borderline kill him. And it just doesn't make... I don't know. It's, it's tricky. And if you're doing it properly, you're not looking at the bank balance because Floyd Mayweather sells himself. And then the UFC's job as the big promotional powerhouse that they are is to push the other guy. All right, Sandu, a lot, a lot to talk about there, and I want to keep on it, but let me just let, off the top. Is this fight going to happen? You got, you got to put a bet right now. It's, it's gunned ahead. Is, is Floyd versus anybody in the UFC going to happen? Every part of me says no, but because and only because we got Maymac and we're going into a TV um, year where maybe this is just dangling the carrot. Hey, we may be in business with Floyd Mayweather. Maybe this is all friends helping out friends to stay in the limelight while negotiations you know, behind the scenes take place. But there's a dirty part of me. There's a the, the small the small pit of my stomach <laughs> that is just itching and clawing away, saying, "Hey, there's a small chance that this might come to fruition." And of course, if it does, it's going to be in the UFC. It's not going to be anywhere else, right? right? Um, and look, you know, again, I just kind of go back to the Maymac example. The weeks and months leading up to that fight being announced, we were still like, "There's no way this is going to happen." Right. And listen, in, t- in terms of sanctioning, Nevada will be all over this. They'll they'll approve Floyd in an MMA fight because of all the revenue that of they're going to bring to the, to the state. And uh, you can justify it. I mean, whether whether you're you know right or not, you can justify it because you can say, well, yes, yeah. we know it's mixed martial arts. It's one of the greatest boxes of all time. It's a different combat sport, but it is combat sport. I mean, you can make a case. Yeah. And to be honest with you, look, if it happens, then it should be somebody like a CM Punk. I agree. Right. It, you know what? But but it should be CM Punk. But the opportunity for Conor McGregor to say, hey, 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 I want another hundred million dollar check. Let's do this down. Oh yeah, again. Connor's. The that's what they're gonna. Connor's I mean, not gonna want to sit on the side and watch Floyd and somebody no. else make a hundred million. Hell no, hell no. Let alone somebody that's coming in as one, you know, zero and one in MMA right now and CM Punk. I just, I just can't see him fight. I mean, Connor would. I mean, look, I, I know that we're we're probably MMA homers or whatever, but I mean, literally every ounce of my body tells me that if Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor fought in a cage, Connor would kill him, kill him. I mean, maybe quite literally. I just don't understand why Floyd was – I know Floyd likes money. I know he likes money. I know he's got confidence in himself, and that's cool. And you know what? To be honest with you, if he fights somebody in the UFC – you said it, Simon. It's kind of a, it's kind of sideshowish, it, it, but I'm starting to get to that point that it's okay with me. Brock Lesnar, when he first came to the UFC, I hated it. I hated it. I was like, ah, oh, why is this professional wrestler coming over? And he had a you know a great track record as a collegiate wrestler, but I hated it. Ten years later, twelve. I, I, I'm man. I'd be okay if Brock comes back again. I mean, I, the eyeballs are good. The attention is good. You know, trust me. Is is is. Hey, we're not a mom and pop shop anymore. We're for a very large corporation in USA Day. They want to see page views. They want to see video views. So you know, from a business operator, it's okay. But for me, 
I just like seeing the sport of mixed martial arts talked about, even if it is a little bit of a, a sideshow. So I'm okay with Floyd Mayweather coming into the UFC. And I, again, I can't imagine Conor McGregor being okay watching anybody else get that paycheck. But that, to me, is just ludicrous to put that fight together. I think it's insane. That's why I, 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 I kind of want to see Floyd and CM Punk. Here's the thing, right? And the Conor and CM Punk are in ex- sort of both extremes of the spectrum. You've got Conor McGregor, who has all the skills in the book, and you've got CM Punk, who, based on what we've seen so far, doesn't have them. Right. Uh, doesn't have any, right? He's working on stuff, and hopefully we'll get to see him in a competitive fight that suits him, and maybe we'll, you know he will have improved. What you're looking at here is, if you're talking martial arts, this is mixed martial arts, so it's a multitude of martial arts. In martial arts terms, Floyd Mayweather is a tenth damn black belt in boxing. Right. Okay. He is an elite. He is an elite level martial artist in one martial art. Right. Okay. He should be fighting against another elite level martial artist who has one martial art. Doesn't have to be the same martial art, but you put him in there with someone who's got none. Like a like a Dylan Dennis coming over from a, a, a pure jiu-jitsu background yeah, or I something mean, like, like that. Do you remember when uh, Roger Gracie first started MMA? Sure. Roger Gracie, 10-time jiu-jitsu world champion. On the mats, he couldn't be touched. Right. Put some four-ounce gloves on him and start throwing punches to his face. He's got other problems to deal with. It took him a bit of a while to transition, but he's gone on and done okay. Right. Floyd Mayweather, you put him in with anybody who claims to be a, quotation marks, striker, unless it's someone who is a predominantly kick-based striker, Mayweather's going to wipe the floor with them because it's a boxing match inside a cage. Right. Right? What you need to do, if, if you're being competitive and you're trying to put it through the prism of the UFC, it's back to UFC 1. It's martial art versus martial art. And you've got boxer, stick him in with an elite wrestler who has no, who hasn't, anything else somebody that's oh no right stick him in with a taekwondo guy stick him in with a, a bjj guy don't put him in with someone who thinks that they're you know they can do a bit of striking but they're not known for any ground game because that's that's not a competitive fight either so you've got cm punk who has none of that so mayweather will light him up like a christmas tree you got mcgregor who has Too absolutely <laughs> absolutely every tool in the belt right to do what he wants with uh, mayweather um that's also a stupid fight to make from a competitive standpoint, not from a money standpoint. So what you need, you need to draft someone in. You need an elite jiu-jitsu practitioner or an elite wrestler. Pluck them straight. Imagine if Aaron Pico had just decided he was going to join MMA. You snap him up, elite level wrestler. He's only been doing a li- He's been dabbling with a bit of MMA training for like six months. Right. That's the sort of guy you want. That'd be interesting. That's but the see, sort of guy you is, want. I mean, you know you're trying to make... Sizes obviously make a difference. But, right. You know, but you know what you're classes, trying to make. Yeah. I mean, you're trying to make a billion-dollar event, right? I mean, I, I still think you've got to have somebody on the other side that people know. I think you need three things. You need Floyd Mayweather. You need the UFC. And I think you need a known opponent. I don't think he can be an unknown. I don't think he can be an unknown and still... I can't believe we're talking about this with us. Jesus Christ. Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> I think it's good. He, He's fantastic. I tell you what, he is fantastic at manipulating the media and using the media, man. He is brilliant. I, I have your opponent. I have your opponent. It would be, it would do more column inches across mainstream media than any MMA fight in history. Give it. You, you could do it. You could do it just about in the weight classes. Mr. Nick Newell. Nick Newell is a 155 pound fighter. Nick Newell has one arm. That 
is wild. You <laughs> just blew my mind. I know, bro. right? Man you with just one. Blew my mind. This man is so good he can beat you with one arm. Come on, Floyd. Let's see how good you are. The headlines would be crazy. Floyd Mayweather versus a one-armed man in the UFC. There you go. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I just send, heard it. Send, my God. Send all checks to Simon Head, care of the MMA Roadshow. Thank you very much. We're done. Well, Thanks for well, listening. Every- no. <laughs> you know what, man? That is so crazy. I mean, and that kills two birds with one stone, right? I mean, everybody's having this debate right now. Does Nick Newell belong in the UFC? And and, and, man, that's a whole nother debate that you could spend a ton of time on because that's such a tough position. Like, I mean, Nick Newell is really good, but, man, you know, like when Justin Gaethje beat him up, that was hard to watch, you know what I mean? And suddenly a very inspiring story goes to uncomfortable levels, you know, where you're like, oh, my God, what were you thinking? And I know that's, you know, people may bash me for saying that. I'm not trying to be rude. I mean, I, I think Nick Newell is amazing, and I think he is a legitimate fighter. I think he is a UFC-level fighter. But there's no question. I mean, in not that long of a time, we've gone to a, you know where this sport was outlawed everywhere and was nearly done with. You know, that it's not that long ago. I mean, we're talking about this 20 year anniversary of me seeing my first live show. All this has happened in that 20 years where yep. it was almost gone, and now you're saying we're gonna get a guy in there that you know has this this uh, situation, this issue, this challenge, and and what happens if it goes wrong? And we're putting it on national TV. I mean, World Series of Fighting did it, and credit and kudos to them. But that was hard to watch. But Damn, dude, against Floyd Mayweather. Book it. Cinder, are we crazy? Book it. Uh, listen, you know what? If we live in Simon's fantasy world, then that's not that. You don't want to live there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, let's, let's not talk fantasy. Let's talk reality, right? If Floyd comes into the UFC, it's going to be with McGregor. That's the that's the only fight. Come on, guys. You're right. It, that's the fight that's gonna make the most money. You, if if it, for whatever reason Floyd fights anybody else, you're gonna piss off your number one commodity long term in Conor McGregor, and you don't want to do that. That's his fight. That's his rematch. Right. He wants a slice of that pie as well. The ho- all three partners worked together very very well. You know, a year yeah, ago. Course. There's no reason why they can't work together again. Um, I, I don't want to see it. Like I'm already kind of like heartbroken that you know McGregor's kind of almost. You know, not competed for so long, hasn't defended a title. Like, you know, just knowing what he's capable of, I want to see him fight more and fight the best in the UFC and MMA. Right. And just for that reason and that reason alone, I don't want to see it happen. Listen, if he comes back and and fights the winner of you know Khabib and Tony, and you know declares himself without a doubt, you know the king has returned. I'm the best at 155, and maybe even then do the Nate Diaz trilogy fight, just so we can kind of you know end yeah, that yeah, story okay arc that. within our within our world. Then after that, yeah, go ahead, do the Floyd rematch, and you know that's never going to go away. Really, you got a couple of years to maybe do that, but please give us some first. That's yeah. what I'm asking. Give us some first. That would be a pretty phenomenal run of three fights for Conor McGregor if you did that. There is a way around it as well. If you really are that opposed to McGregor versus Mayweather in the cage, yeah. which there are a lot of very strong arguments for that being the case. You could still have him on the same card. Yeah. McGregor still gets the shine. He still gets the dollar bills. But you don't then have to have the fight because you could, you know, you let's say CM Punk, right? Mm-hmm. Who I disagree with almost as much, right? You did Mayweather versus CM Punk and you did McGregor versus the winner of Khabib and Tony. That would do astronomical numbers and it would also be a really interesting uh, line in this is two people playing at martial arts mixed martial arts and these are two guys doing it properly and do them back to back 
and it would it would highlight to the world gangbusters numbers. It would highlight to the world the difference between the people who are playing and the people who are actually doing the job. Big time numbers for sure, but there is no combination that would do more money than those two guys. Than those two guys. It's the rematch. You do the whole world tour again. You make a big production out of it. It yeah. becomes a, a global phenomenal, a global event. No other combination is going to work. I respect all the other potential kind of you know matchmaking we can do with Floyd if he was to come into the UFC. But let's be real. Let's be That's honest. The with one ourselves. that does the numbers. Exactly. That's the one that does. All right. Well, let's talk about what's really happening. Since we're going to talk about real, that is UFC Fight Night 127. <laughs> uh, Fabrizio, versus, Fabrizio Verdum versus Alexander Volkov in the main event. Uh, guys, want to kind of ask you. You know, we've all had a chance to talk to these guys this week. Um, you know, certainly not a fight, of course, that was big and sexy. I mean, this was a fight that was based out of need. Kind of goes back to the conversation we had with Brett Okamoto last week where, you know, so much of scheduling is done on, on need, right? I mean, they wanted Michael Bisping in this event. They wanted Darren Till in this event. It didn't work out, so they had to come up with something for Bisov versus Alexander Volkov. A good fight. Um, I do kind of wonder for you for you guys, especially as, as English residents, I mean, this is the 10th time the UFC is, has come to London. Um Yes, this is a fight past card, so you know what you're expecting coming in. But I do always feel like they've treated London as like a you know a special market, a big market. You know, obviously a, a key city in, in the world. Um, and 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 this main event doesn't necessarily scream you know big time London O2 Arena. So I was a little surprised with it. But again, I think it was one of those fights that was just made. Um, I will say, you know, I, I think it's a better fight maybe than than. You would think, I mean, Fabrizio Verdum, the likely, uh, the, the rightful favorite, I should say, and I'm, I'm certainly leaning towards him. Uh, he's got the better well-rounded game. His submission skills, obviously, are great. I think he's, you know, we were talking today, Simon, I think he's just kind of the, the, the better natural athlete. You know, Volkov is big and strong and rangy, but um, kind of bizarre today. He was talking about he thought his speed would, would help him out a lot. I was like, I don't know, that, but okay, okay, but, but whatever you think. Um, meanwhile, Volkov. He is a big dude, man. When you stood next to him today at media day, it's like, God, I forgot how how, how big you are. Um, he does have an impressive career record. Of course, he's you know he's a former Bellator champion, which Simon you pointed out to me earlier in the week. I hadn't even really thought about it. I mean, the UFC's never even mentioned that like on on promos or whatever. And I think it's just the promotional rivalry. They don't ever want to say the B word. You know, they'll say it in commentary, but not necessarily in promotional material. So you know, this could be champ versus champ, former champ versus former champ. Um, but, you know, he has gotten better during his time in the UFC. I think he looks like he's more comfortable, Volkov. Um, and, and obviously, he looked good in the win over Strew. But you guys tell me what you think about this man. But first, I mean, uh, was it a little bit surprising for you that, you know, this was a London main event? And also, um, just kind of what you think about the fight itself? Well, I think we were in a position where the card was filling up with fights, but there was no main event. And the way that the UK market works, we're starved of these big shows. Um, so that when are you you know when the UFC come to town, those tickets go quick. Right. Those tickets sold out before the main event was actually booked. That's crazy. And that's not the first time that happened. Um, I think it happened when Bisbing fought Anderson Silva. Right. They, I think they announced but they that didn't, fight. Yeah, they didn't know that was going to be the main event. They announced that fight on Christmas Eve. Right. Um, and it, I think it happened again a year later. And I think when it initially happened, I know that a lot of the fans on social media were very, very upset. They thought they were being shortchanged and they were they were being very they were very disappointed, especially when you've got a Bama show. We've got two big UK promotions, Bama and Cage Warriors. Bama had a big show at Wembley Arena last weekend. Cage Warriors have got their Super Saturday show next weekend. That's crazy. So you've got 
a triple header, three weeks on the spin. That's wild. Bama, UFC, Cage Warriors. Now, you might not have the money to go to all three of these events. You've got to pick, pick which one to go to. And you're looking at the UFC cards as it's coming together. It's a lot of familiar domestic level names. None of them are in what you would call standout, holy shit matchups. Right. They're all competitive matchups, right. but they're not ones that necessarily leap off the page and sort of lead you to sort of gallop down to the ticket office to buy your tickets. Um, so what you find is the people who've bought these tickets are the hardcore UK uh, UFC slash MMA fans. As the main event, I think it's a good main event. I think Fabrizio Verdum is one of these guys who, for whatever reason, I think if he if he was a muscle-bound monster, if he looked different, I think he'd be a much, much bigger star. I agree. He's got that kind of... He, he, he hasn't got that traditional strongman uh, physique. Doesn't look like Francis Ngannou, where you look no. at the guy and you go, wow! But you look at his list of victims, he has beaten a who's who. Oh. I don't think you can bring me any other, with the exception of Fedor, right. who, who Fabricio beat. I don't think you can find another heavyweight on the planet who's got a better CV in terms of past opponents. No, because he's crossover. You know, when Pride had a bunch of people, so he did yep. he did USC and Pride. He kind of went through generations. I mean, his, yeah. every, I think you forget sometimes. When you start looking down his record, you're like, oh, my God, this guy's literally fought everybody. Yeah, and Vol I mean, Volkov's a guy who's flown under the radar. He's he's a newbie in the UFC. If you if you learning English but not great yet, so yeah. you know. And and yes, he's won three fights in the UFC. First one was a split decision. Second one was a unanimous decision. Third one was a TKO over Struve. So he's progressing. He's moving up, but he's not a marquee name. He's not a ticket seller. Um, but I think as a matchup, he deserves the matchup. Yeah. But the shine isn't there. The stardust that we like to talk about isn't there. And obviously they were, you know, they were keen on having Bisbing on the card. That didn't work out. They were keen on maybe Darren Till being on the card. That didn't work out. So they had to drop to Plan C. And if you're looking at it as a Plan C, it's not that bad. It's not that <laughs> what bad. A, what a way to hype it up! Like, hey, guys, enjoy the fights, guys. This was Plan C. What? <laughs> Let's be honest. You have to have to call it well, what no, it is. But you're—I mean, you're honest. It's just funny when you lay it out. You're like, well, I mean, if you admit that it was Plan C, it's pretty good. Yeah, but it's I, true. I mean, I th you're right. I think I think you have to take it for what it is. It's it's a, it's it's a fight card packed with domestic talent in competitive fights with one of the greatest heavyweights in MMA history headlining a card against a rising contender. There you go. That's that is it. Well, look, just to kind of build on. Sandu's not buying the hype. <laughs> I mean, look, I'm not going to lie. I don't, I don't know if you can call that hype. But. No, 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 no. Look, I'm not going to lie. You know what? Go, knowing that this is probably going to be my last uh, UFC event in London to cover before I make the move to Toronto. That's right. I'm not going to lie. I was like, I was hoping for the bells and whistles. Um, I, look, look, when everyone was kind of like, poor, you know, there's lots of outcry about Bisping can't fight. It's way too soon since the Kelvin Gaston and I'm, fight. And I am so glad they didn't shoehorn Bisping onto this card, man, Same because I, he needs to sit out for a while. Yeah, yes. and, and, and while I agree with that, and while I agree that he shouldn't have fought on this card. Just knowing that at the time he was super adamant that he wanted to fight on this right. card, I'm like, damn. I'm like, well, if he's that serious, I'm sure he can figure it out with the UFC what opponent would make sense. And he didn't want the Vitor fight. And I thought, well, look, if Bisping's adamant and they can get him a decent fight, screw it. Well, I guess we'll have to take it, right? Not that we necessarily want that. Just, you know, just because That's of... That's a little CTE between friends. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was going to be Rashad. It was going to be Rashad, is what I understand. 
Do you think Bisbing Rashad at the top of this card makes that event stronger than we've got now? I'm not going to lie. That's a pure selfish uh, take from me. This is my final UFC card, probably, before I move to Toronto. Um, but look, you know, the fact that we got Bisping Day today. Yeah. Right? So we, we got a big day today where he's announced a, a partnership with the UFC gym brand to launch, you know, 100 gyms over, over 10 years. We got some cool sound bites. We got him on, on, on video. We got interviews. We got that Bisping kind of right. um, experience. Experience, so to speak, and we're getting till as well. And we're getting till tomorrow. He's the, one of the, the guest fighters here. Um, but you know, that being said, uh, yeah, I kind of would categorize this event exactly how Simon summed it up. A lot of plan C, <laughs> yeah, basically plan C. <laughs> <laughs> Look, there are a lot of good kind of um, you know British, you know. The guys from, from Britain who I think just need something to go to that next level. Like, I love Leon Edwards' attitude this week. Mm. And actually, his whole attitude coming into this fight, it feels like he's got a chip on his shoulder. It feels like he's been disrespected by the UFC and the matchmakers by not getting a, a, a more high-profile fight with a, you know, um, a, an opponent ranked a bit further up the, uh, the, the rankings. But you know what? He's going to come in and like, I think he's going to do the business against Peter Sabota. And I think that could be a moment where he jumps on the mic, expresses his personality a little bit. Because he's one of those quiet ones. I feel like only recently has he started to kind of really express himself a little bit more. I you know agree. What I mean? You know, we talked to him earlier in the week and he basically said, you know, I get it. Like, I, I can't. It's not enough just to win fights. You got to talk. You got to put on a little bit of a show. And, uh, and I'm going to do that. And, you know, today at the media day face-offs, you know, he, he got up in Sabota's face, put the fist right in his face. Sabota's pushed it away, and he moved it right back there. I mean, you're right. He's got a little chip on his shoulder. He's got an attitude. And, you know, man, I, I forget how young he is, man. He's still a young cat. And when he's on, he's on, you know. So uh, so that's a good fight. I, I'm excited for that one. I, real quick before we talk about the rest of the card, I guess since we're talking a lot about Bisping and Till, um, we might as well mention Liverpool, right? I mean, mm -hmm. all, all indications seem to be uh, UFC officials won't comment. They won't confirm. But it seems like that May event that was going to be in Dublin, now going to be in Liverpool. The idea, of course, will be to get Darren Till against somebody. Uh, I was told that, you know, it, there is no fight for him yet. They're still trying to work on it. Um, I was also told that he would fight his mom to, to, to be on a card that was in Liverpool. So She's not been in the new side of the pool. <laughs> so uh, that'll happen. But, I, so, you know, and I think that'll be great. I mean, I know you guys have been high on that, the UFC just going to Liverpool, number one. Of course, you know, striking while the iron is hot with Darren Till, man. His, his stock is high. Yes, it – May have been higher a couple months ago, but it's still pretty damn high right now. But I want to ask you, you guys think we end up with Michael Bisping on that card too? Well, the funny thing is I spoke to him. Well, we all got a chance to speak to him. But in, in the kind of uh, few minutes that I got with him, I basically said, look, let's get some kind of rules in place for your final fight. You know, where do you want it to be? And he was adamant. It has to be in the UK. Has it to has to be in England. Whether it's Glasgow or Manchester or London, he doesn't care. And I said, hey, what about Liverpool? There's you know reports and rumors that that might be kind of happening in a few months. He didn't bat an eyelid. And, I, and here's what I'm thinking, right? You put Till and Bisping on the card, mm -hmm. and it's like Bisping's farewell, right? Right. And he'll get, and he'll get it in, in an arena and a part of the country that's going to have an amazing electric crowd, right. and, and they support their own, right? And on the same card, you have the coming out party for Darren so Till. So that, that passing of the torch. Exactly. you passing of the torch. The, the, the guy that's literally had UK MMA on his shoulders for the better part of a decade, if not more, that really has carried the heavy water in trying to get the, the sport recognized yeah. by the mainstream over here, obviously becoming the very first champion. No one can ever take that away from the very first British champion. But to pass that on now to someone like Darren Till, who I think we all believe 
can be that guy. He's got the fighting style, the skill, the personality. Again, from a different part of England. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where the accent comes into play. Yeah. You know, he's someone that the UFC can invest in for another 10 years. For and, sure. And be that guy for this particular market, but also internationally. I like I mean, that's if it does happen, uh, it, again, it would be a, it's a Sunday night card. I mean, that part's already happening. If they do make this change, which we all, I think, think is going to happen, but nobody's confirmed yet. Uh, it's, a, it's an FS1 card, so it's not a pay-per-view. Um, but, I, you know, I think it's an important enough event, and, and, and I think that the ties are there, right? And the other thing, too, and, and Simon, you and I talked about it earlier that, that I think would make that a great fit is that it, putting Bisping in the co-main, you know, some people could say, well, that's ridiculous. You put Bisping in the main, you put Till in the co-main, Till's the new guy. But, but I agree with what you're saying, Sandu. Put Till against somebody, you know, that's his hometown, number one. Number two, he's the guy on the way up. Go ahead and give him that shine. But the added benefit is... Bisping only has to get ready for three rounds. Exactly. And you could also put him in a 205 fight if you yeah. want to. How does this sound, right? So you got Darren Till versus... CM one. Punk. <laughs> Darren Till versus... <laughs> Plan C. I'm going to be a bit of a matchmaker. Darren Till versus Wonder Boy is the main event. Love it. Right? Love it. I think that is the best The best. Stylistically, my goodness, that'd be fun. Okay. You do Michael Bisping versus Shogun Hua as a co-main. At 205. I'm okay with that. Right? It's not something you'd necessarily pick straight up. No. I think... But there's no other fights for Shogun that you're itching to have. Right, exactly. It's a legend of the sport. Yep. It's and a name. size-wise, they're comparable. Yeah. Right? So, and if you're a Liverpool fan that you know has been watching MMA forever and, and you haven't been able to get out of... You know, some people don't have the funds to travel and go watch an event. You know what I mean? So the UFC comes to town for the yep. first time. And you get to see a legend like Shogun Hua. I mean, I know some MMA fans are spoiled. They get to see a lot of events. Like, ah, I've seen him fight a lot. And he's not the same Shogun. But, you know, if you're a, if you're a fan that hasn't seen a lot of events and Shogun Hua comes to town, sign, sign I, that's a, that. You know, I hadn't thought about that at all, but I'm okay with that. And then you, you, back, you back that up with three signings. You sign Chris Fishgold, Cage Warriors lightweight champion, who I understand he's looking to drop to featherweight. You sign Paddy Pimblett who was the Cage Warriors featherweight champion, who has since moved up to lightweight and looked outstanding uh, a couple of weeks ago in Cage yep. Warriors. Yep. And you sign Molly McCann, right. who is also all three from Liverpool. Molly McCann is the new Cage Warriors women's flyweight champion. Right. The UFC needs 125-pound women. I like it. Right? She will go in there and trade leather with anybody. You put those three in the Echo Arena with Darren Till, with Michael Bisbing, and you are looking at McGregor Brandau levels of hysteria in the Echo Arena. I love it. So, I mean, you should work for a major publication at some point talking about mixed martial arts, man. Yeah. You know what you're talking <laughs> Thank about. Thank you very much. <laughs> you know I'll what? Give, I'll give it a go. I want to make a public service announcement right now to anyone that is listening to my voice. If and when the UFC announced this fight night card in Liverpool, of course we'll get Darren Till. Will we get Bisping? Who knows? But we were all in the building Dublin 2014. Simon, you mentioned it. I'm telling you guys, wherever you are in the world right now, try and get your hands on tickets for that fight card. Book yourself a flight for the weekend. Get your backside to Liverpool. It's going to be a good one. It'll be one of the best experiences of your life. And I know for a fact, but hand on my heart, it'll be the closest thing anyone will get to experience from that night in Dublin. That Dublin-esque. I'm oh, telling you, and special. those nights are honestly once in a lifetime, few and far between True. these days. It's going to be such an amazing experience that you're going to kick yourself if you're watching it on FS1 or wherever you're watching it in the world. And if they did what Simon said, bring in, you know, those those Liverpudlians. 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 That would be pretty amazing. All right, let's talk about UFC Fight 9 127. Jan Blahovich versus Jimmy Manoa in the rematch in the co-main event. Um, uh, all right. 
it's plan C, right? I mean, this is another fight that nobody – I mean, I don't think anybody – no disrespect to either guys because Jan, who was stumbling for quite a bit, now looks pretty damn good. He's had a couple wins in a row. He says, listen, I, you know, I went back to my original trainers. I've kind of changed my approach to everything. We had a fantastic interview with him today that you won't hear from because Abu Saban turned the camera off instead of hitting record. Um, and, and thankfully he has the earphones in right now, so he's not hearing me throw him under the bus. He can hear you. Okay, cool. All right, so we won't get to hear that, but, you know, he says, listen, um, you know, I, I'm excited about this rematch. Of course, anytime you lose the first time around, you want to fight that guy again, so I'm happy about this. And Jimmy Mano, we spoke to Jimmy Manoa. Um, he's in an interesting position, too, and obviously I think a lot of that just has to do because 205 is, is it's just a weird division, you know, with, with, with everything that's going on with John, and now Daniel Cormier is moving up to fight heavyweight. So it allows you to make moves, and, and, and you haven't had a lot of fresh blood come in. So even though Manoa came off that loss to Volkan Ozdemir, Ozdemir had his shot, he's gone, so he's out of the way now. You know what I mean? So if you come in here and Manoa looks strong, he told us that he says, listen, I win this. I'm not saying I deserve a, you know, a, a championship fight, but I bet I could get a number one contender fight after that if I win this. So, I mean, there are some stakes here, and it could be exciting because both these dudes can hit very, very hard. Um, but it is it is a plan C fight, right? I mean, I think Manuel basically said I took this fight because there's nothing else available, there's and I don't, I don't want to sit around. And, and Jan, I mean, I don't know that he's necessarily earned the rematch, but of course he said, well, hell yeah, sign me up. Like, I want to get that one back. So, I don't know. For this one, guys, what do you think? Because there's some stakes here. It, it means something to a degree, but it's also, even though it's some recognizable names, it, it was kind of a weird rematch, right? When, when rematches come together that you weren't saying, like, boy, we sure need to see that one again, it's always kind of weird, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. You know, it's funny. When I was speaking to Jan earlier on today, uh, he kind of echoed what you just said. So, and, and I kind of followed up on that, and I'm like, well, look. Did you, you record know, it? I actually did stream oh, okay, it yeah. on uh, the MMA <laughs> India YouTube channel. <laughs> Um, I'm going to get slapped in a minute. <laughs> but you know what was interesting was he said that when he signed with the UFC, he thought that, hey, I need to look elsewhere. I need to up my game. I need a better gym facility, a better camp, a better coach. And so he made all these drastic changes. Like he finally got to the big dance and then he changed it all right. up, which is just a strange thing because typically and usually do with what got you there right? exactly and you know the, the famous example of that is of course conor mcgregor mm-hmm. right but what he said was you know what he, he messed up he lost a few fights and he went back to back to his old school gym and camp and coach and all of a sudden he's getting wins again right so you know if we're perhaps thinking that he's going to come in you know in maybe a, a you know a all, all for brawl kind of like decision I think he's going to come in swinging trying to finish this one and, and Jimmy's in the same situation he's coming off a loss to Ozdemir and he's not happy about that he's got a chip on his shoulder and you're right he couldn't miss this card this is London this right. is his backyard yep. it's like it almost, in, in that kind of way it almost forces his hand like he can't sit around it's London yep. you know what I mean I mean there were talks at one stage of him potentially main eventing this event um, or this card sorry because we weren't sure what kind of main event we were going to get right. so they were like oh we'll, we'll make Vlach and uh, Manuel, five rounder. So, you know what? I think it'll be a, an interesting fight. I don't think it's going to go to the distance. I, no. I've just got a good. Fi- and you know what? What? What more can you ask for? Two light heavyweights that are going to just you know try and knock each other's head off. Yep. And and you're right. What's interesting about light heavyweight right now is if Jimmy does win, then it's him, Ilya Latifi, and Alexander Gustafsson who are pretty much all in the mix, and they're all teammates. That's crazy. Like what? Do you, and then you don't know if Daniel Cormier is ever going to come back down if he was to beat Stipe Miocic right. this summer. So there's so many question marks hanging all over. I was told Latifi and Manoa would fight. 
I was told they would really? fight. Really? I was told they would fight. Mm, interesting. Because when I asked him that today... He said no? He didn't say no. He was just like, no comment. All I'm going to say is, we're you know in the top five of the best light heavyweights in the world. It's a beautiful thing. Nice. And I'm like, fair play to you, mate. That was his way of saying I'd beat his ass. <laughs> 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 All right, well, listen. Uh, we, we did have a chance to say... And I guess I should tell the story about Abby Subban. What happened today was pretty funny. I've, <laughs> Abby Subban, our European videographer, of course. Uh, we He and I together interviewed Alexander Volkov. And then we went from Alexander Volkov to go interview Jan, uh, Jan Blachowicz. And uh, he, he left the camera running in between interviews and didn't recognize it. So then we set up in the next part. And, and, and he was like, all right, you ready? Uh, he even counted me down. He's very kind. Cold coffee never counts me down into my interviews. It's very nice. It's a nice touch. Uh, but he goes, three, two, one. And it's funny because I have the footage. We're actually putting it in a piece, uh, a little summary of the day. But he goes, three, two, one. <laughs> And then he hits the button to record, but since it's already running, he turns it off. So that the, the, the footage just cuts off right there. So it's pretty, it's pretty phenomenal. Uh, all right, but listen, but we did talk to Jimmy Manoa earlier in the week. We had him for a sit-down. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I was a little bit worried. You know, I always do a couple interviews. You guys know we come in early at MMA Junkie. We try to get as much content as possible. Um, you know, I was looking up the list of names, and I was like, man, Manoa, you know, he's right there. I want to talk to him. This is, a, this is a meaningful fight. But I know sometimes he's not really great in interviews. But man, uh, he was he was awesome, and I know it was funny because we saw today before media day that he tweeted out like, "Oh my God, why do I have to do media on the day when I'm cutting weight? I'm in a bad mood." Uh, but we got him one day earlier, and I will say he was eyeballing people's food. He was pretty uh, intrigued by it all, but he was in a good mood, and uh, I thought he gave us a, a pretty fun interview. So uh, I, I thought I'd let everybody hear from uh, Jimmy Manoa. Back in London once again, <laughs> fighting here. How, how good does it feel? I mean, is it automatic when, when, when the USC is in London, you're going to be there? 100%. Every time. Every time. I love fighting in the UK, and, uh, you know, I look forward to putting on a great show. Very cool. Last time we saw you, of course, disappointing night for you, the loss to Volkan Ozmir. Talk to me about that. I mean, are, are there any lessons you can take out of that, or is that just one of those, you know, you, you get caught in MMA sometimes? Exactly. You get caught, and us being uh, big guys and everything, I expect the fight to go either one way, either kill, kill or be killed, you know, and I've killed a lot, not killed, but I've, I've, I've knocked out a lot of people in my career and taking one, taking one, you know, it is what it is, you know, and, uh, you know, I can also give it as well as take it, so I, I took one for the team, took one for the, for the love of the sport and that, but, and, and I'm back again to give one. Pretty good way to look at it. I mean, were you able to, to, to look at it that way that night, the next day, or no, did it take not a while? No, not for about a month. And I was down in the dumps, and if I couldn't believe I remember going back to the to the change room and I'm thinking, fuck, what have, I, what have I done? What's just happened? You know what I mean? And it, it was a bit of pill to swallow and that. But, um, you know, I had good people around me and everything, and uh, I, I snapped out of it pretty quick. You know, it's interesting. So you take one for the team. You know, fans love not for the love of the sport. I was going to say the love of the sport. Yeah, I mean, are you okay with that? I mean, knowing that it, it is what it is. It is what it is. Uh, there's been a lot of people who's been on the receiving end of of, of my power and, and and taking losses due to me. So you know, but um, it's what it is, man. Very cool. All right. So then you get this matchup. You know, kind of a, a rematch that I don't think anybody was really expecting. What did you think when they came with this fight? Did, did you understand the matchmaking? What did it, you think? Do you know what? It was a fight where I almost felt I had to take it because I, I could, the people I called out for didn't, said no. And the and everyone else was fighting and I needed to stay active, you know. So it, it was kind of... Uh, and for me, I've never turned down a fight in my life, you know. And... and um, for me, it was just about staying active and everything. Not, I'm not, not taking anything away from Blakovich, but 
he's, he's, he's ranked number 12 or something like that, and I'm ranked number four. So to me, it doesn't really make sense, but to, then, then again, a fight's a fight. You know, I'm t I've taken him very seriously. Was it tough at all to, to, to find motivation? I mean, here's a guy that you already beat. Uh, you didn't finish him. It was, it was that you want to improve me. How was it getting ready for him? I'm motivated by the fear of losing. You know, because I'm going against another man who's trained weeks and weeks to, to beat me and everything. So that's, that's all the mo motivation I need, the fear of losing. Nice. You know, we've talked to you in the past about some boxing aspirations. Are, are those still something that's in your plans? Have you, have you, you know, checked in on that at all? Um, yeah, that's kind of died down now, but it's still in the back of my mind because he's fighting, he's not, uh, David Hayes now, now fighting the rematch with uh, Tony Bellew, so we'll see how that goes, and that's still, that's still in my plans as well, you know, because I, I believe that'll be a mega, mega fight for London at the O2 as well. Yeah, well, we hear about Zufa boxing, right? I mean, so who exactly, knows? Exactly, Zufa's bringing out boxing, so, so you know, it's, it's a possibility. Very cool. Well, we know the focus is on MMA right now. You mentioned the ranking. Give me an idea. I mean, coming off a loss, obviously disappointing, but, you know, the title shot was there for him now. You know, there's, he's cleared out of the way, I guess. So what do you think? I mean, what is the goal for you right now? Is, is it to get a title shot? Do you think there's a path to you right now? It, the, the path to me right now is a bit vague because... Um, but it could play out well because because um, DC's gone up to heavyweight. Alex has got no one to fight. Um, Vulcan and Glover are fighting in May. So I think after this fight, me winning this fight, not looking past this fight, but after this fight, I expect to win. And um, I expect to get the winner of the, uh, Glover and uh, Ozdemir. And then win that fight, then I fight for the title. So, so you know, I'll take it. For me, the title the title's still in my sights and everything, but I'm, I'm taking one fight at a time now. Very nice. So what's the key then? I mean, knowing that you want that title shot, you don't want to lose focus here. Is it to go in and make a statement? I mean, do you feel like you got to go in and, and, and leave no question put I will, on the show? I will be making a statement on Saturday. I will be making a statement. And I think I've, uh, I've got a lot, a lot of anger coming into this fight from, from the last fight, and I feel that um, he's going to get the brunt of it. Right, that was Jimmy Manaway, the co-main event of USC Fight Night 127. Hey, listen, I, I should say, if you like what you're hearing, do us a favor. Make sure you subscribe. Log into uh, iTunes. Make sure you subscribe. Rate us. Review us. Take some time. Leave a little feedback. We always like that stuff. Like reading about it. Like hearing what you think. Or if you want to take it to the next level, you step your game up. You go to Patreon.com. We just started. We, we launched that recently. It's Patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow where you can help us out, support the show financially. We really would appreciate that. You know, it's, it's not free. We do this for fun because we love it. As you guys know, you've, you've been involved in the podcasting game yourselves as well. It's, it's not free. Uh, the equipment costs money, of course. Uh, hosting stuff on all the different platforms costs money. Uh, and, and there's some things that we want to do as well. We want to, we, you know, here we are sitting here in this fine Airbnb establishment drinking some frosty beverages and some red wine because I'm classy like that. We want to do some live streaming opportunities. You want to be able to kind of interact with fans. But all that stuff costs money. Um, and I know we have a couple fine, fine sponsors to the show. Uh, but, you know, we, we can use a little extra help is what I'm trying to say. Uh, so we're, we're turning to that. And we'd appreciate anybody that does it. We're still going to keep this content free. Uh, I've talked to Sandu about some suggestions. I've talked to some other people about some suggestions. I, I'm hesitant to put stuff completely behind the paywall because I get it. Not everybody can throw down a couple bucks. I totally get that. Um, 
But if you can, we appreciate it. I, I want to try to keep the content free, but we'll, we'll see. I, that's that's my plan for now. But I don't know. I'm just making this shit up as I go pretty much the whole time. Uh, but, but I do want to see. Yeah, you can totally see that. But I do want to give a big shout-out. Uh, we just got started last week. It was kind of a uh, – we'd been talking about it for a while, but we finally got it going. Uh, Ryan Vinoy came in strong on the first week. He's VIP for life. He's got an open mic anytime he wants. My man gets to sit down anytime. A couple of fun, uh, familiar names. Muna Bear jumped in. Dude's been uh, supporting us from day one. Joe from H-Town, the very famous Joe from H-Town who makes it everywhere. Uh, Joe Gaziulo I, or something. I, I'm pretty sure he's pretty tired Nailed like it. that. Gaziulo. Is that the usual spelling, John? That's the usual spelling. Oh, <laughs> Jared Sorensen as well. Uh, all those guys stepped up as well. So uh, big shout out to them. I, I will say, I got to throw, throw some shade. You know, I, I flew over here. I, I, I got the direct flight, by the way, for the first time, which is awesome. British Airways. Didn't have to stop anywhere. Did the Vegas to London direct. It was it was actually the cheapest option. Was flying direct, so that was fantastic. I will say, British Airways, fantastic service, good airline. Uh, they do fly some old ass 747s on a lot of their routes. Uh, so there was no power, there was no internet. Uh, but I but I loaded up on some MMA podcasts as I tend to do. And I will say, uh, Chad Dundas, co-main event, he threw some shade. And uh, I, I I gotta say, man, you know. I, Friends of the show for sure. Obviously, Ben Folks, a co-host there. We got nothing but love for the co-main event. But, you know, they just had a fantastic drive. They've had some fantastic success with their Patreon account as well. Um, and and they, they were like, hey, some other podcasts out there starting Patreon. Gee, I wonder what that was all about. But what else will they copy of us? Well, let me just say, Chad Dundas, as a reward for your listeners this past week, you talked about MMA while drinking – and having a drinking, I have done that for 155 <laughs> straight weeks, Chad Dundas. So who's got the original content now? Swagger jacking. <laughs> uh, all good, nothing but love. Yeah, I was listening to that on the way over there. I was like, oh, I see how it's going to be around here. You need to rename your podcast the main event. <laughs> That's what you need to do. All right, let's talk about USC Fight Night 127. The main, uh, the main card, I really do like the last two fights in the main card. Now, I get it. Might not be, you know, piquing everybody's interest, but let's start with Tom Dukenwa and Terry and Ware. Uh, Tom Dukenwa, of course, the, the French prospect. He's had some setbacks. Uh, you, we, we, you know, he was he was hyped up. It was tough because he was in one of those spots where everybody's like, this is the guy. This is the guy. But he does look very talented. And Terry and Ware, I, am, I love Terry and Ware. He's 0-2 in the UFC. Uh, so it's really easy, I think, to overlook him and say, "Ah, oh, well, here's a here's a guy that's 0 2. They're setting him up with. They're just getting Duke and Wall a win here, you know, to, to to keep him moving forward in Europe." No, Ware is tough, man. You look at who's fought: Cody Stammen, uh, Sean O'Malley, man, and he had good fights with both of them. Um, I like this fight a lot. I, I like Terry and Ware a lot. I mean, a, another tough assignment for him. It's funny. I was joking with him today. His manager's Jason House, who's who's a good friend of the show. I was like. Tell your boy to get you better fights, man. He's, he's throwing you under the bus, throwing you the wolves. But um, what do you guys think about that? And, and, and are you guys still super high on Duke and Wah's, like, you know, like everybody was coming into the UFC? I think Duke and Wah is an interesting case study right now because he came in with an enormous amount of hype, didn't he? He was a two-weight world champion for Bama. Came in with a huge amount of hype and won his, uh, his UFC debut in pretty spectacular fashion against Patrick Williams. Then he fought Cody, Cody Stamen. And Cody Stamen outworked him. And it was an interesting interesting fight to watch because it looked to me that when Duke and Juan needed to find that extra gear, for whatever reason, he wasn't able to find it. Mm -hmm. And that is what lost him the fight. Right. He says he's gone back to the drawing board. He's seen where he's made mistakes and he's going to come back better this weekend. 
I think someone like Terry and Ware is also going to push him, like Cody Stamen yes. did. Um, and I think it's going to give the op- uh, an opportunity for Tom Ducanois to show that he has progressed and that if he does need to find that extra gear, it's there now. And that's going to be the interesting thing to watch for because all the while he's dictating the pace and where the fight goes, he looks fantastic. But how does he react when he's being pressured, when he's being denied space to work, when he's the one coming off the back foot, being forced outside that big, thick black line Mm -hmm. and towards the fence. That's going to be the interesting thing to watch in this fight because Cody Stamen did that really well, Uh, particularly late on in a fight against Dukumov in the last matchup. How would Dukumois show his improvements this time? I think it's a, it's a fascinating clash. I really do. I, I like that fight a lot. Sandu, I want to ask you, I think you were, you were especially hyped up for, for the Rocky Edwards, Leon Edwards, Peter Sabota fight, uh, and as Simon, who's always looking for a, a good shtick, a good pun, pointed out, with Leon Rocky Edwards being on here with Alexander Drago Volkov. We do have Rocky and Drago on this card. There needs to be some Rocky Four walkout music. <laughs> if there's no, if nobody walks out to no easy way out, then I'm not going to be very impressed. Uh, but tell me about the Sendu. I mean, I know you're, you're hyped for this one. Uh, Sabata, I mean, listen, I think it's easy to write him off. You look at his career record. You look at his career UFC record, which, of course, dates back to you know a losing streak years ago. Um, it doesn't look that impressive, but I feel like his last couple of appearances, like he's turned a corner somewhere. I, I think this is – Pretty intriguing. Uh, as you said, Rocky Edwards, a guy um, kind of on the cusp, has a little chip on his shoulder, feels a little disrespected, feels like you know he needs to, to get more recognition, better opponents. And, 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 and Peter, I think, is, again, a guy that I think has improved leaps and bounds of late. Yeah, when I spoke to Peter today, we were all there for the Stockholm event last year when he just destroyed yes. Ben Saunders in devastating fashion, right? And 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 for, in his opinion, he thought that was what's going to catapult him to the next level. But what happened was he got a severe hand injury, which put him out for I think it was like three or four months. Right. And then I was kind of catching him up because we're connected on social social media, so I've seen that he got married, he's got a kid. You and, connected on social media or something? Ah, uh, you know, one or two people, one or two people. <laughs> Keeps it on the down line. Yeah, yeah, keep it, keep it quiet. Um, but, you know, he's had a lot going on. You know, it was obviously coming off the high off the, that big win of Ben Saunders, mm-hmm. then the hand injury, he gets married, has a kid. He says, look, I'm 31 now. You know, I've got so much more focus on why I'm fighting. And he said before, before he got married and before he became a father, he was just fighting because he wanted to be the best. And now he's he's got a purpose and he's got some more, di- he's got better direction. And he feels as though his hands healed up pretty well. And this is a main card slot. He he tells me that, you know, behind the scenes, they're perhaps talking about a Germany event this year. That's what Peter thinks or what Peter's heard. And he'd love to kind of, you know, rebound back from this event and go back to a German event as well. But having said all of that, Leon Edwards is a guy that's kind of like really got a momentum coming into this card. Like we talked about it earlier on, you know, he's got a lot of, he's got a chip on his shoulder and I feel like he's got a bit of an attitude adjustment as of late. And I think it's just what he needed just to turn the volume up a little bit on who he is and what he's about just to get people's attention. We talked about it earlier on, uh, the weigh-ins this morning, his face-off, of oh, the weigh-ins, the face-off right. this morning, his face-off with Sabato was the that one. That was the highlight. That was the highlight. That was the juiciest one. Um, and and, 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 and I'm kind of definitely leaning towards Leon only because he's been more active he's the younger fighter Um, I think all round he's got the the better overall skill set but it's a tough fight Peter Sabata is a a very very tough fight for anybody yeah and it's Jamaica versus Jamaica of course We've got. Have to throw we've, that out there, we, right? we've got Leon Rocky Edwards, born in Kingston, Jamaica, versus Peter Sabota, born in Poland, but now we assume he's still 
flying the flag of Jamaica. Uh, two events ago in uh, Hamburg, Germany, a fight in Germany, he chose to fly the flag of Jamaica. He walks out to bad boys by in a circle, which you get. You should auto- automatically get an extra point on your scorecard for that. Yeah, um, he's doing it right. So if you're going to represent Jamaica, you got to do a bit of in a circle, right? So just it's smoking a joint on the way. <laughs> <or. laughs> so, so you know, it's Jamaica versus Jamaica. I like it. Uh, I, should we go ahead? I mean, I don't I hate to take the spotlight off of of Rocky, but should we go ahead and mention his brother too? I mean, oh yeah, a lot mm-hmm. of people, a lot of people in the UK scene I know are saying. He's better. I mean, no disrespect, but saying like, hey, you, you know, you, you like Rocky. Yeah. Wait till you see Fabian. Yeah. Out- outstanding performance at Bama yep. uh, last weekend. Got rocked. Um, and uh, everyone was like, whoa, okay. But the minute he got rocked, the fight went to the floor. And in a blink of an eye, he locked up a belly down armbar, and the fight was over. Now, uh, Fabian Edwards is known as being a, a very, very dangerous, very, very powerful striker. But in that moment there, it's like, okay, go to the ground with me. I'll finish you there too. There is an awful lot of buzz behind Fabian Edwards. And, um, you know, Leon in his in his interview uh, with us earlier in the week said, we're going to be the first brothers in the UFC and we're going to be the first brothers to hold championship belts. Yeah, pretty cool. So uh, he's definitely one to watch for sure. You know, there's lots of talk about Darren Till and, you know, the, the, uh, the Scousers coming up, um, like Fishgold and Pimlet and McCann. Look out for... Uh, for Mr. Edwards Jr. Very nice. His preliminary card, and we, I mean, it's all on UFC Fight Pass, so it's yeah. a, where you want to split up. I did want to talk about uh, John Phillips and Charles Bird. Now, Charles Bird, um, a guy that, uh, you know, I don't think a, a ton of people will be completely familiar with, but um, I, I have seen a lot of him. He fights out of Texas, so obviously I always pay attention to my home state scene. Uh, he, he went on Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series twice uh, in six weeks, to, and, and on the second a try, was able to earn himself a contract. So pretty cool stuff there. Um but he's, he's running into John Phillips, who I wanted you guys to kind of weigh in on because I think there's, especially American fans might not realize. I mean, here's a guy that's had almost 30 fights in his career already, um, a, an interesting character to say the least, and somebody I think um, U.K. fans especially have felt like deserves a shot for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah the, the white Mike Tyson. The white Mike Tyson. You know what? It's, it's, it's funny because I was doing the rounds and they kind of split up the media day in, in two parts today. And uh, in the second part, he was on my list to get around to and just as I was pitching up it was just wrapping up the interview and it was, they were calling it a day of wrapping things up and so it was a bit unfortunate I never got a chance to speak to him but having said that he's got a fascinating backstory he's obviously been signed to the UFC for well over a year now I think and you know this is his debut for the promotion which is you know a long time coming he's obviously you know training out of SBG Dublin you know Conor McGregor fame and uh, he's got John Kavanagh in his, in, in his corner, and um, he, he seems as though uh, he's he's from Wales again. You know, you know, you know. I'm sure we're going to talk about it. You know, Marshman, you know, you know is now off the card. Yeah. You know, I thought this would have been a nice way to kind of build some more momentum for the for the Welsh because they're coming strong. They're now, coming right? strong, and, and again, we talk about Liverpool. You know, having an, an event in Wales would be fantastic at some point in the future as well, right? Yep. Um, but yeah, John Phillips is definitely kind of I think one of the highlights on that preliminary card. Absolutely. We spoke to him uh, this afternoon and he I've spoken to him a couple of times over the years when he's come up through the domestic circuit and he fought, um, he started out as a Commonwealth Games boxer. So he's, he's boxed to a really good high standard as an amateur boxer for Wales 
And he then basically fell out of love with boxing, decided he wanted to be more of a gladiator. He wanted to get his hands on people and really roughhouse a few opponents. And you can't really do that in boxing. It's not really in the Queensbury rules. So he, <laughs> so he, took, up, he took up MMA and did very well. Did very well. Um, but he said the turning point of his career was when he, uh, he was invited to come and train with uh, SBG. Um, and he said that it saved his career. He said he, he, he may well have quit had he not had that call. Uh, he won the Bama middleweight title. He fought for the Cage Warriors middleweight title. Um, he's now in the UFC. He's riding a four-fight, four-knockout win streak. 18 of 21 career wins by knockout, all 21 wins by stoppage. He's fought to a decision once in yes. 27 fights. Yeah, he is, he, he's a finisher. That's, he's a finisher, and he's a character as well. I mean, the interview is up on MMA Junkie Well, right I'm going to play it right now That's yeah. what, because he is a character. So yeah. I, I don't want to just talk about him. I want people to hear. Uh, you actually handled the second half. As, as Sandu said, it was kind of split. Yeah. Uh, Simon Head actually handled the second half of the interviews for us uh, while I went and, and, and uh, edited the video that Abby Simon shot and tried to edit some of the stuff. He didn't shoot as well, uh, but, but, but settled for what I got. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but while you guys were doing that, you guys had a chance to talk to John Phillips, and he is an interesting character. So uh, let's hear from the white Mike Tyson. John Phillips, it's been a long time coming, and it's taken a lot of campaigning, but you're finally here. What are the emotions as you get closer to fight night for your very first UFC appearance? Um, it's an absolute emotional roller coaster, and you know, it's it's mad. And actually, I remember watching back and uh, watching my fellow old team teammate uh, Brett Johns fight, and he's crying all the time. I thought, what the fuck's he crying for? He's crying all the time. He's putting that on. But now I'm you. I understand why he was crying all the time, and the amount of times I've nearly burst into tears. It's just an emotional roller coaster, and. Um, it's a relief that you've trained so hard and you've sacrificed so much and you've put so much in to get to this stage. And, and when you get here, it's just, it's magical. It's magical. And obviously the performances that have brought you here have been the major factor. But you've gone above and beyond when it comes to trying to get the UFC's attention. You took a telephone for a day out and that, that sort of started uh, a big sort of movement to get you signed. Um, where does all this stuff come from? And uh, just talk us through some of that stuff you did. And did the UFC react to any of this? Did they ever say, we saw that? Um, actually, um, you know, my, my fighting style, you know, my record speaks for itself. I've got so many knockouts. Uh, but I just weren't getting the notice. Because if, if you're not fighting, you can't get noticed. So I was like, I've got to do something to get noticed. And I come up with this video, we're going to do a video. And actually, after I'd done the video, uh, a good friend of mine, that was his best man in his wedding, Kerry Morgan, says, hey, let's get a phone and go around with a phone and pretend we're waiting for the phone call. And I, I love the idea, so we run with it. And um, it, went, it went good, and uh, UFC obviously noticed it. And actually, I had good and bad vibes. I'd have a lot of people saying, who is this idiot? He can't fight. And they'd go and check me, and then they'd message me back, actually, mate, we've checked you. You can fight. Best of luck. Um, so it was great. But a lot of people knew me then from doing a stupid video. Uh, and not my fighting, but now they're going to know me for my fighting as well. But yeah. It's been a long road for you. I mean, from Commonwealth Games boxer to UFC athlete. What was it that first convinced you to swap the boxing gloves for the four-ounce gloves? Um, you know, I'm a massive, I'll always be a massive diehard fan of boxing, you know, as my bread, I'm, it was what, what made me who I am really, and I still believe that I win a lot of my fights by showcasing my boxing skills, um, but I just fell out of love with it, you know, I wanted to be that gladiator style, I wanted it more, more um, street fighting, um, gladiator 
style and it, boxing just wasn't doing that for me anymore, you know. I just fell out of it and I thought, no, I want I want to I want to grab hold of someone, you know. I want to experience that. And that's what made me come to MMA. And you seem to have found sort of the spiritual home for you now at, at SBG. How transformative has that been for your career? Oh, massively. You know, if, if, if I didn't go to SBG and uh, I didn't get invited to go over to SBG, I would have never, I wouldn't be here today, you know. I, wanna, I, w I would probably have quit, actually, you know, if I didn't go to SBG. So SBG probably saved me. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's, it's been a long road, a long, hard, bumpy road to get here. But it's still a long way to go yet, so it's going to be good. And the first step on that road is Saturday night, Charles Bird. Um, what do you make of him as an opponent? How much have you seen of him and how do you see the fight stacking up? Charles is a, g a good all-rounder, you know. Um, I don't want to get into slagging my opponents off. I, I don't actually like that, you know, because my opponent is, is the same as me, you know what I mean? He's just trying to make a better life for him and his family, the same as everyone else on the card. So, you know, unless someone really wants to talk dirty about me, um, I probably won't even talk dirty about him. Man. I'm going to get my hands on him. We're going to fight. He's coming to win. I'm coming to win. I can make a prediction. I'm looking for the first round KO. Whether it happens or not, the best man will decide on the night and fate will decide on the night. I know there's a lot of UK fans who are very excited for you making your debut. There's also going to be a huge international audience who have never seen you before. For those people who haven't seen you fight before, just give us a bit of a sort of a one-liner. What are they going to see from, from John Phillips this weekend? Violence. All right, so John Phillips, certainly a character there. Uh, guys, just kind of real quickly, uh, you touched on it earlier. Uh, Jack Marshman versus Brad Scott, not happening. We uh, we kind of uh, happened into that news. To, our crack reporting got the story. Uh, but we do kind of fell in our laps. But uh, it did uh, fall off the card. Jack Marshman uh, had some issues cutting weight. Uh, it's a preventative thing, we should say. Obviously, um, you know, the UFC is, is trying to be proactive about this stuff. And um, I, I think... Uh, we heard through the grapevine maybe there was about seven pounds or so left to cut. So I, I don't know what the situation. We don't know the full situation yet. We're actually still working on that as we sit down to record this podcast. Uh, we're still trying to gather some facts. Uh, Sandu, you actually reached out to Brad Scott. We were hoping we might be able to get to talk to him a little bit. Just kind of a bizarre situation all the way around because these are two middleweights that were going to fight at welterweight. We find out one of them can't make weight. And our initial question is, well, why don't why didn't you just take a catch weight? And, and, and unfortunately, I, I wish. Again, as we were sitting down right now to record, we had more information. Hopefully, we will in the morning. Um, but it, it, you know, was that Brad Scott's decision to say no? Like, look, I, I, you know, I came in here on short notice and I put myself through hell, and, and I was going to make it, and you weren't. Or you know, was it a UFC decision? Really, I, I, we don't know yet. We also don't know just what kind of a state Jack Marshman was in. Mm. Um, someone tweeted me earlier when when uh, we sort of tweeted the news out, and I, I sort of retweeted it, and he said, well. You know why? Why not do it at 185? And I said, in, in, in my reply was, you can't. Once someone has complications during a weight cut, you don't change the weight class. You don't put the fight. On. Well, that's a good point. So maybe something happened. I mean, again, this is pure speculation. Yeah. This is not informed at all. So I'm not saying this happened. But mm. let's say, for instance, a guy passed out, or you just a, don't know. We yeah, don't at know that point, you don't go, well, you passed exactly. out, but we'll just do 180 or whatever. Like we don't know what happened yet. Exactly. So I mean, I. We met up early this week. We sort of uh, met up in London on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And one of the first things I said to you about this card was, 
how strange it was that you've got two established middleweights who were going to fight at welterweight. Bizarre. And there's obviously reasons for this um, in terms of maybe they both decided to move down or Jack had decided to move down and Brad agreed to make the drop. As it turned out, it was Jack that had the problem. But the most important thing with all of this is that when the fighters step into the octagon to compete, they're doing so uh, fully replenished and safe. If you've had any kind of issue during a weight cut, if you pass out, if you fall over, or you, you know, you could pass out, bang your head, whatever. Even even just passing out during a weight cut, that's that's tricky. And you shouldn't really be slinging them back in the octagon at that point. So at that point, that's kind of like the knockout punch there. It's 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 a difficult one. This is a sport where... People are losing weight by dehydration still. Um, until that system gets changed, if it ever does, these things are going to happen. Um, they're happening less frequently than perhaps they did a couple of years ago. But when you see people moving down in weight, there's always that danger. So it's a tricky one. The most important thing is that Jack Marshman is okay. My understanding is that he is. Um, yeah. And he's probably just pissed off that he's not fighting at this point. Fighter safety. You've definitely done the whole, work. the whole training camp. You're 24 hours away, pretty much, and now your fight's off. Another, I think, really important topic as well. And again, fighter safety is first and foremost, and weight cutting r remains an issue that we've got to fix. But I think the other very, very important part about this is is that we need to know that if you were still working at the Sun, if you would have been tempted to use the headline "Jacks Off." <laughs> 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 I would never, <laughs> never stoop so low. We know, we know what a fan of puns you are. Had it not been a health thing, <laughs> I'd maybe be tempted. But I've moved on. You're, 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 you're bringing up my past now, John. <laughs> I, I've moved on. I've moved on and moved up from there. You know? uh, it's too good. You know. All right, uh, Oliver Incamp is facing Danny Roberts. Of course, Danny Roberts uh, came in with a, a lot of hype, I think, around him and has struggled a little bit in his time uh, with the UFC. He's fought some tough guys, though, no doubt about it. Uh, meanwhile, Oliver Incamp uh, lost his debut as well. Uh, they, they both have fought Nordin Talib. Uh, but I was I got to say, I, I, I like Oliver Incamp. What I saw, I wasn't super familiar with him, but I like what I saw of him. I like his creativity. Uh, he looks like a, a fun fighter for sure. Um, you guys have any thoughts on this? This is uh, Sweden versus England. Yeah, it's funny because um, when I was in you know, Toronto for two or three months, one of the shows that I ended up going to to cover was the Fox card in Winnipeg, which is where Danny last fought. And uh, obviously, it didn't go his way that night. And I think for Danny, it's just been he's been very inconsistent. Right. That's all. That's all it's come down to with him. Um, and he's got a home game now, so to speak. Yep. You know, being able to fight here. Got in a fantastic London. nickname and hot chocolate. Yeah. Did you see his outfit today? No. Just, oh, just flowery word. is all you can say. It's very flowery. Oh, he was in the second half when I was editing videos. So I didn't get to it's see him. It's a tracksuit. It's yeah. a tracksuit, but it's a full-on flowery tracksuit. Yeah. I did double-check with him, and it definitely did not fit the uh, the Reebok outfit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he just laughed in my face when I asked him, is that Reebok? He said, bah! <laughs> you know what? Um, he was in good spirits. He was in good spirits, and um, you know, but he's got a tough fight on his hands. I man. think this could be an entertaining fight. Yeah. Hakeem Duwadu is facing Danny Henry. Hakeem Duwadu, uh, big shout-out to our, our good friend Danny Austin, who has been singing the praise of Hakeem Duwadu for a long time. Of course, uh, they're both uh, they live in the Calgary area, so he's he's seen the guy in the gym training. Uh, I, but I will say this: I, I was always right there with Danny Austin. I, I, I followed Hakeem's career uh, coming up through World Series of Fighting, and uh, the dude is a next level striker. 
Uh, you know, he's an accomplished Muay Thai fighter before he came to, to MMA. Uh, intense as hell. I actually put him on our list of interviews this week because I, I wanted to I wanted to talk to him ahead of his UFC debut, uh, even though I knew it wasn't going to do a ton of clicks or whatever. But I just wanted to meet the guy and kind of get a feel for him. And holy shit, is he intense, man. Oh, like, yeah. I couldn't get the – I mean, the guy would smile for like a second and then just like snap back into like death mode. As so my, As Michael Chiavello would say, he could – Beat a, he could beat the sun in a stare-off. <laughs> there you go, man. It was intense. But I, I, I'm, I'm very high on Hakeem Duwato. I, I, I like the guy. Uh, but, Dan, you know, he's not getting an, an easy fight here either. So, uh, you, you guys uh, – are you guys feeling me on this Duwato train or am I, uh, am I crazy? I've not seen too much of him. But what I, what I have seen, it's just been clips. I am looking forward to seeing this guy mm. fight. I really am. Um, Danny Henry uh, is a bit more of a grappler. Um, so there's going to be that that, that, that that clash of styles. Henry is going to be looking for a, a single or a yep. double, and Duodu with his with his strikes with hands and feet, and the knees up the middle could be uh, could be quite profitable for him on fight night. I think, and as you say, we spoke to him very intense. He is absolutely adamant. He's been he's been waiting for this call for a long time. Mm-hmm. Now he's got it. He's going to make a statement. He's absolutely absolutely nailed on that. This is going to be a night for him where. It's packed with British fighters, this card. He wants everybody to walk away talking about a Canadian. I'm excited for it. Paul Craig, uh, a Scotsman who uh, wants to pick up a win here for sure. Magomed Ankele. Nailed it. Yeah, yeah. got it. Okay. Uh, no, Paul Craig, a good dude. Uh, difficult to understand. My favorite Paul Craig story was meeting him in the airport. Uh, and the reason I went and spoke to him is because our uh, writers back home were working on a scrum story from him and couldn't understand what he was saying. <laughs> and I was like, well, he happens to be sitting in the, in the uh, airport bar here. Let me just go ask him. And it still took me a little while to figure <laughs> out what he was saying, even as he was explaining what he was saying to us. But he's a good dude, uh, and now he's fighting an undefeated newcomer here. So a big, a big moment for Paul Craig. Yeah, and he's a crazy man. He is a he, crazy man. He's a crazy man. And uh, there's a piece on, on the BBC3 site. I write for BBC3 these days, as well as uh, doing some bits and pieces for Junkie. And uh, the videographer for BBC3, Jag, went and did a piece where Craig just went through this succession of pretty intense of uh, yeah I don't know how many cans of Red Bull he had before he started a lot uh, he did a whole load of MMA uh, impressions of varying quality I think we should say (laughs) we're good some not so good we're not talking cold coffee level here oh no 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 we're not talking cold coffee level here but um yeah, he, he's a crazy man. His best one is Arnold Schwarzenegger, though. He, he, the, Arnold Schwarzenegger was good. He doesn't mean Arnie. Get to the chopper. I can't, <laughs> That obviously. was terrible. That was terrible. Uh, all right, uh, just kind of round out the card. Anything anything stand out to you? Cajun Johnson versus Stevie Ray, and I'll say this. Um, I'm, I'm going to play the interview I had with Cajun Johnson because I want people to hear this. Uh, but Cajun Johnson, uh, of course, I think is as interesting for in the cage as he is outside of the cage right now. He's a big part of this Project Spearhead movement, fighting at Stevie Ray, who uh, Stevie Ray, we know the story by now, was was basically – it's hard. you're not released, you're not cut by the USC, but basically, they, you know – they just don't re-sign you. Your contract runs out, yeah, and you're a free agent. They don't need you, so the, you know, so he was kind of in, uh, you know, peril for a little while. Now he's back. Uh, he, we, we, I thought I had a fun interview with him today too. Uh, Mark Godbeer, uh, who of course his last time out had that bizarre incident with Walt Harris. Uh, now he's fighting again against Dmitry Sosnowski, who uh, we were talking earlier. The UFC has him listed as being from the USSR on UFC.com. Uh, and now we're all kind of curious. Did somebody just mess up at the UFC? Or, as I have posed, 
is it maybe something that he told him because he technically was born two years before the dissolution of the USSR. Maybe he never went back. So, so technically he is from the USSR. And he left before and, he, yeah, and then he it went away. And hasn't come back since. There you go. See? <laughs> Who knows? makes sense. Yeah, totally, totally makes sense. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, Nad Naramani, who stepped in to face Nazrat Hakbarest on incredibly short notice. Any of those three fights, uh, I mean – we touched a little bit on the narrative of all of them, but anything stand out to you that, that you're looking forward to? Yeah, just to kind of put a bit of spotlight on uh, Nad Naramani. He's a he's a guy that you know we've seen come up through the local circuit here. And what I like about this, you know, is he's replacing Alex Reyes on short notice, and it's an opportunity to fight in the UFC. But it just it's another uh, showcase of what an amazing conveyor belt that has been built here in the UK and Ireland because of the likes of Bama and Cage Warriors. Mm-hmm. Just to com- to continue to you know to produce this talent for the UFC and for Bellator, and we're lucky in this market that we've got that you know on lock, right? right? And some of these guys have gone on to become UFC champions. Um, you know, this card you know t- on Saturday night is littered with ex Bama and ex Cage Warrior fighters. So I, I think he's an- going to be yet another example of someone that that, that that's kind of I suppose been cultivated by the local circuit here. How he'll do on short notice remains to be Real seen. Real short notice. Real short notice. Um, but. You know, I, I tip my hat for him to actually, you know, take the opportunity when it presented to himself. Absolutely, and he's he's fighting at lightweight. He's a cage he's a cage warrior's featherweight champion. He beat Paddy Pimblett, who had all the hype running yes, into he it. Did. And Nad Naramani from Bristol, who is is a seasoned operator. He's been around the scene for a long time. Everyone knows he's a tough out. Whoever he fights, he stepped up and he dominated Paddy Pimblett in Pimblett's backyard at the Echo Arena in Liverpool. Superb performance to win the title. And just to just to add a bit more weight to what Sandy was saying about the conveyor belt of talent that's being generated by the promotions in the UK, had Marshman still been on this card, we would have had three former Cage Warriors world champions on the card and four former Bama world champions on this card. So that's just a testament to what's going on on the domestic scene and the fact that they are producing talent. In fact... It's five because Jimmy Manoa also held a Bama World title Crazy. as well. So you've you've got this conveyor belt of talent coming through. There are more coming. And if UFC Liverpool happens, hopefully we'll get to see them. Naramani, I'm excited to see, to see how he steps in. Stevie Ray, um, I'm excited to see how he deals with Cajun Johnson. Cajun Johnson will make him fight yep. for every minute of every round. And uh, God bears a man with a point to prove. Um, his interview with you was... In hindsight, slightly comical um, because <laughs> we sat him down and I almost feel like he should have been lying on a couch. That was great, it right? It was almost like a therapy session for the guy because he'd had all the, he'd had this, he, I think he called it cursed. Right. Uh, the matchup with Walt Harris. The one Ed, that fell apart. It fell apart. They finally had it. He got kicked in the nuts and then uh, knocked out with an illegal shot. Um, and uh, it's, 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 an, you and asked, I asked him about you it. You asked him about it basically just, just, just to mark it off to say that you, right. you covered it off in the interview. And he said, it's not something I really want to talk about. And then I think the next question you asked was about 10 minutes later. <laughs> so so clearly he did want to talk about it. And uh, he got it off his chest. Good for him. Hopefully now he can move on. He's got a tough fight. He's got a replacement opponent in Dmitry Sosnowski. Um You don't see many guys from the Soviet Union these days. Well, there you go. Very rare. <laughs> I don't know where he's going to find uh, footage of him. But... Um, I believe he's undefeated. Yep. Um, and uh, this is this this is a big test for Mark Godbeer because I don't know how much tape there's going to be of this guy. And 
God beer is going in there against again someone who he hasn't had that much time to prepare for. You know these cards. I think if you listen to the MMA Roadshow, you're probably a hardcore MMA fan, right? Uh, and and to me, I like these cards. I'll be honest with you. Of course, man, I can't wait to get to Brooklyn. My God, that card is sick. But I love coming here for these smaller cards. Sometimes we've had great access to the fighters all week. You know, we've had opportunities to meet people, and this is when you get to to to, to not only build those relationships and meet people, and and, and but the eye toward the future, you know, seeing what teams are coming up, what fighters are coming up, what market, what markets are coming up, and I get it, you know, maybe this is not the type of car that, uh, you know, you would book your Saturday night off for or whatever, but it is on Fight Pass, which means it moves fast, which means you can watch it whenever the hell you want for 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 very ease, uh, and and I I love watching this stuff to be honest with you, I, I really do, I love watching the next generation. Just a quick mea culpa, uh, Manuel didn't actually win the Bama title. He had one fight in Bama. And I think the, I think he was going to then fight for the title. So you would have never, you, you'd never had to correct yourself, and I would have just gone on for I the rest of my in, life. I'm you glad know, you told me that. I'm not, I, I don't want to talk to him about that Bama title I next think, time. I think it's important for the integrity of the podcast that I correct myself. <laughs> the integrity of the <laughs> podcast. That's fantastic. <laughs> all right, listen. Uh, all right, so I do want to play this interview with Cajun Johnson. Um, you know, we didn't really talk about his fight. We did a little bit, but I, I, I actually didn't set this up through the UFC. I. I normally set up everything through the UFC just because I, you know, I want to play by their rules and everything. Um, but obviously, knowing the kind of the sensitive nature of him talking about uh, everything that he is talking about, I just reached out to him directly uh, on social media. Sandu MMA, how about that? How about that? I reached out on social I'm media. Sure, you'll connect with one or two fighters. <laughs> It'll never catch on. It'll never uh, catch on. So I reached out to him. And I was like, "Listen, I know it's fight week, and I know you got to have your head in the right spot, but uh, there's so much going on with Project Spearhead. You know, would you be willing to give me some of your time to talk about this? And and, and I know it's fight week, and I apologize." And he said. Absolutely, John. No, no, no worries at all. Like, please, come on, let's do it. Um, and uh, and he came. We sat down. We talked about. It, and I got to say, uh, I was I was just impressed with how intelligently he discusses it. Um, I think what a what a what a case he makes um, for what needs to, needs to happen and what needs to change without being. Um, you know, sometimes people make arguments too emotionally and too over the top, and it kind of, I think, loses some of its impact and power. And he just lays everything out so matter of factly and so directly that um, I, I think it's worth checking out. So. Uh, Here's, here's Cajun Johnson. Fight week. Yeah. But it's kind of an interesting fight week, right? I mean, you got so much going on, not just in the cage, but out of the cage as well. So let me just ask you what the environment's like for you this week. I mean, you know, you're, you're fighting this legal battle, this labor battle, you know, working on yeah. this stuff. So what, what are people treating you like? Are, are you an outsider here? Or is no, it, is not it okay? at all. Like, really, the people that I always have face-to-faces with within the UFC have always been amazing. Um, throughout the entire process, they've been amazing. Uh, it's the people that are the higher ups that would probably have a negative opinion of me if anybody does. Um, and if they do, I don't really know it because I don't get any FaceTime with these people. So I don't know what they think. You've been one of the most outspoken people with this movement right now. Obviously an important movement for, for fighters, but why you? Why, you know, I wonder why you? Why, why was this such an important cause, something that, that you had to you know, put your hand in the air and say, let's, let's do this? I just think all the, con- all, all the causes in the, re- in the world really are important. Right? I believe that I, I've been a, 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 big, a big portion of my life has been fighting against social injustice, whether it's um, the racial inequality and systemic racism that the First Nations people face within Canada, um, whether it's uh, the, the discrimination and the racism that uh, the other minorities are facing within America, um, or really any other cause that's out there, environmentalism, uh, fighting against large resource extraction uh, in, within Canada, 
uh, oil and, and, and gas and BC Hydro, uh, all these giant corporations that are stripping the land, stripping the people that are on the land, of their land. Um, all of these things have been very important to me for a long, long time. I grew up in kind of a revolutionary type family. Uh, my dad was a Black Panther. Um, my my mom, after they broke up, my mom ended up marrying a, uh, a First Nations chief who was very, very outspoken and uh, he's like he's wild, <laughs> you know? Um, so. I, I grew up on the reservation, right, and I experienced a whole lot of systemic racism there and social injustice. Um, so it's just something that's been a part of me. And when I see something that there's an issue, and especially an issue where nobody's really willing to say anything about it, everybody seems to be really scared to say something about it, I don't really fear the UFC, you know? I've created a situation where they they can't own me anymore. My my wealth and and my sustainability is no longer tied to them directly. Um, I have my own gym. I have a number of other hustles that are going. So I make my own money. If the if I'm able to make money through the UFC as well, that's amazing. That's a blessing. But I'm not reliant on that. If if I'm only reliant on my income within, within the UFC in order to sustain life, now they own me, right? Now I have to abide by whatever they say. I can't, I can't stick my head up, I can't do anything. So I've created a situation where this is possible. Very nice. Project Spearhead is one that you're getting behind right now at this moment. Yeah. We, obviously we've seen a couple different startups yeah. that kind of petered yeah. out or whatever. Give me an idea why this one, it seems like you're kind of kind of throwing all in on or, or believe in it. Yes. Why, why are you feeling good about this one? I believe in this one, um, I believe in, uh, I've believed in the MMAFA as well uh, and their approach, but I believe, believe that Project Spearhead is a more all-inclusive organization. Um, we accept people that have different viewpoints. If you believe that we need a union specifically, you're welcome. If you believe that we do not need a union, that we should be an association and uh, only fight through uh, antitrust lawsuits and, and utilize the, the existence of the Ali Act after it gets adopted by Congress, um, then you're welcome. You're, everyone is welcome. If you are an elite fighter, uh, in any of the major organizations, you're welcome. And I think that is where, that is one place that the power lies, and the second place is this is a grassroots organization. We are not being led by um, some giant mucky muck who's a lawyer, or someone who has, who, who's a, a, a promoter or a former promoter. There's no one on the outside that's gonna control us. This is a for fighters by fighters organization, a grassroots organization. So I think that really is the key. And that's what gives us the power. Yeah. What, what can, I mean, what is the right approach? You think? I mean, you, you think the thing that you're saying is it's all inclusive; that everybody can do it. And so, you know, depending on the viewpoint. But at some point, yeah, we're gonna have to make a decision, one, right? Yeah, we're gonna have to make a decision. Are you comfortable saying kind of where you stand on yes, that right now? Yes, for sure. Um, in my opinion, I think that we should have um, we should have a multi-employer uh, a multi-employer uh, CBA. So we will have different CBAs either have a multi-employer CBA or have different CBAs with 
multiple organizations. Okay, so we could have a CBA with Bellator, we could have a CV CBA with the UFC, we could have a CBA with Invicta, we could have a C CBA with 1FC, any of these organizations, right? Um, and that will still allow us to be a union. Okay, so this is a model that is uh, like Actra. Um, my best friend and business partner is a, is a stunt woman and actress, so I've gotten an inside look into how she is dealt with and how her union fights for her. And it's one of the most powerful unions, really. Actra, SAG, I believe those models fit us very, very well. Um, and be, the main reason I believe that, I believe that we should have those, uh, 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 a structure like that is because these people are also able to remain independent contractors while in that union. Okay, she is an independent contractor. She's paid through Ninja Girl Productions. They don't pay her name specifically. She's not an employer, so that would still give us access to the Ali Act. Okay, because we're independent contractors, we are still covered by the Ali Act, but we still have CBAs with all these companies, right? So in my opinion, this is the best of both worlds, right? I still believe that the, the Ali Act is the single most important feature moving forward for us as fighters because we need things like transparency. We need things like an independent sanctioning body. These things are going to change the, uh, the way the whole sport works, right? And it's going to make it much more fair, much more merit-based. Um, whereas right now, it's kind of arbitrary. Like, you'll have guys that'll get title shots, they're not in the top 10. You'll have guys get cut and they came off wins. Right, like there's, there seems to be no consistency across the board. So I think everybody should be able to compete fairly, right, and treated equally. So for that to happen, the Ali Act needs to happen. Now, the Ali Act doesn't cover everything, though, right? Like for instance, this big, uh, this big TV deal that's about to go through. The Ali Act will do nothing, has nothing to do with this giant billion-dollar TV deal that's about to go through, right? But we need a piece of that. Right? If we don't get a piece of that, that's a huge tragedy because that, would so, that, that alone will raise all of our income so incredibly. Right? And it will actually cr allow us to create some sort of sustainability in this incredibly volatile career. So um, I think the two side by side is the, uh, is the answer. I like it. I mean, it seems reasonable. I like the, the multiple CBAs make sense because, right, it, it, uniformity across every organization probably isn't going to work. No, so it's not. It's interesting it's to know not. that you could apply it that way. Yeah. The, the, the next step right now, the, what you're trying to do is get people to fill out the forms, right? Yes. Are, are there any drawbacks? I mean, is there any reason if a fighter is sitting on the fence and thinking, well, I like what you're saying, Cajun. Yeah. You know, this all sounds good to me, but I'm a little afraid, too. I mean, are, are there yeah. a reason that a fighter should sit back and say, eh, I don't, I don't know? There isn't a logical reason um, because the, all the forms are confidential. I don't even know who signed. I don't know who signed, okay? Our lawyer is the only one that knows who signed right now. And that may change. We may have to uh, allow the treasurer to also uh, have, have access to that information. Um, but as, as it is right now, me and Leslie, we don't know who signed. We're just gonna keep keep working, keep working, keep approaching people. So it, there is a definite fear. That is the only reason that anybody has been able to give me as to why they didn't want to sign is just that they're afraid of the repercussions from the UFC, which in itself, that in itself just goes to show how much the power the UFC holds over us. And, uh, 
and how vindictive they have been, they have seemed anyway. If Whether they are or not, that's somebody else's uh, point to say, but the way they've seemed, the way that us, us as athletes believe they could act against us, right? So, um, so that's the only real resistance that I've seen is that people are just scared they're either going to lose their jobs or be treated unfairly because of it. Yeah. It's, you said it. You said you're not afraid. But, I mean, not at all, but professionally, the concern of any repercussions or, you know, maybe who they put you up against in matchups, where they put you on cards, what, what they do. I mean, are, are, does it concern you at all? Um, I've accepted it. I've accepted it. I know that, like, since, since I have been speaking out, uh, I've noticed that I'm not really as high on cards anymore. The last one, I was the first fight on the card. And there may be other factors here, but I'm just looking at it from my perspective. So last fight, last one was I was the first one on the card. This fight, I'm the third one on the card. Before that, I was always close to the top of the prelims. Um, or my very first fight, I was actually the top, the, the first fight on the main card. Right. So maybe I am being treated differently. But really, I don't care, man. I don't care. It's, that fear isn't worth it to me. I'm still, I, I have to be able to be myself. For me to be able to go and perform properly, for me to be, go at, and be able to be honest in a cage in front of millions of people, I have to be able to be honest in my day-to-day -day life. And this is part of my day-to-day -day life now. So before I used to hold back, I would only show pieces of myself. Now I'm willing to show my whole self. Right. And if that ruffles some feathers, that ruffles some feathers. Right. If it if it forces me to get harder fights, bring them on. <laughs> bring them on. Last guy was real hard, you know, and everybody said I wasn't going to win. And then look what happens, you know. So it is what it is, man. If you give me harder fights, I'm going to rise up the ranks faster. Right. Because they're higher ranked. So, sure, give me harder fights. Give me the hardest fight. Give me the champion. <laughs> you know, <laughs> go right ahead. <laughs> I like it. We'll talk about, I mean, as far as fighting goes, because this, this, this stuff is a huge part of your life, but fighting yeah. is still a big part as well. So, how do you find it affects you? I mean, is, it, is your focus on this impacting your training, your, your mental focus, anything like that? Or, or, or are you able to kind of compartmentalize it all? Um, yeah, I just, I do what I can. You know, I do what I can. I don't, I know that balance is key and I'm not always going to be able to go and just message these guys constantly and, and like Leslie right now is going crazy, like messaging like hundreds of people a day, you know, which is amazing. I'm so grateful for her. Um, but I'm not able to do that at this stage. Right now, after this fight, I'm going to have some more time, so I'm going to be able to be reaching out a lot more, and that's kind of how it's going to have to go for me. Is I'll be able to do it in phases, and um, and that's going to have to be okay. And if it's not okay, then I'm willing to take a step back. If somebody else is able to do more and wants my spot, by all means, you know. But right now, there's not a whole bunch of people out there that are vying for this spot. So um, I'm I'm just doing what I can, and uh, and that so far has been working. I know you can't say because you don't even know who signed up. Are you aware of numbers-wise? I mean, do you get an update like that, like how many, how much interest you're getting? Um, I don't have a solid number. I know that we got four yesterday. Um, so we've been getting more and more all the time. We are on schedule. I, I know that we are on schedule and possibly a little bit ahead of schedule because we, have, we only have a year to get a third of the roster, right? So um, within that, so we're shooting for, I think, 
I think we should have everybody on at, at this pace. We should, we should meet that goal by September. Right, and we're on pace for that. So, really, we're we're doing really we're doing well. We're doing well. I don't know the exact number, but I know that we're on pace and and things are going properly. Nice. And assuming that gets done, give me an idea of, of kind of the schedule and and what to expect next. I mean, is this can this be done like in in a positive way? Because I think that's what's interesting is you know I think something definitely needs to be done, right? Yeah. But d- does it have to be you know dig in and and butt heads and battle and walkouts and strikes and whatever else? Or do you think this is something that can be done in a positive way? I think it can be done in a positive way. I think that we want to be want it to be done in a positive way. Nobody wants to lose the work. We all want to work. You know, we all want to fight. You know, we're fighters. We want to fight. We're not getting paid enough that a strike would be easy for us, right? But um, it's just really going to come to whether or not there's going to be blowback from the UFC. I would like it if they would just voluntarily recognize us, right? Uh, but if not, then we'll have to go through other options. What if your fighting career comes to an end, whether it be UFC reasons, whether it be injury reasons, whatever it be, would this, would this be a cause that you'd still champion even if you know, your fighting days were over? Definitely. This isn't about me. This isn't about me getting, um, getting, getting more money. This isn't about me getting what I need or what I believe are my rights as a fighter. It says nothing because I know that by the time this actually comes, comes to pass and, and, is actually, and is working and has changed the game, I'll, I'll, I'll either be done or I'll be close to done. You know, this is about my students. You know, this is about the next generation. And the way I was brought up, because I, w- I was raised on a reservation, right? So I, I was brought up with a lot of uh, First Nations cultures and, and, and traditions. And one of the mainstays in that culture is you need to make the world and make the entire earth and every system a better place for the next seven generations. You need to protect the next seven generations. So this is part of what I'm doing. This is one of the reasons I'm doing this, is is for the next seven generations of martial artists. So they're not being oppressed like we were. Very cool. Fans, if they believe in this cause, if they support, is there anything fans can do? Is there any, is there any assistance they can offer? Is this something that just the fighters have to handle? Um, if anybody has any, uh, any legal or business uh, acumen and, and they're able to, to help, our, help out our team, we are definitely um, we are accepting a couple applicants uh, on a volunteer basis. Um, and the best person to reach out to for that would be uh, Lucas Middlebrook or e- any of the uh, Project Spearhead pages. Um, but other than that, right now, we don't have anything set up. We don't have like GoFundMe set up or anything. I, there are some talks to like, uh, like selling t-shirts and things like that in order to start generating some income so that we have something uh, if we need to fly here or fly there or get whatever done. Um, but that'll all be coming in the future. So just stay tuned. Uh, there will be ways for the fans to help for sure. Very cool. Well, I appreciate all the big picture talk. You've got a fight coming up on Saturday night, so you yeah. got to think about that. How, how are you seeing this thing play out? Are, are you excited for it? Yeah, I'm super excited, man. This is like a very freeing fight, this one. Uh, the last fight, um, I wasn't able to be my complete self because I was dealing with such a specialist. Really, like on paper, he looked like he was good everywhere, which he was, but that wasn't the way he practiced his martial arts. It was very like one-dimensional. I'm gonna knock you out with a counter with either my left hand or my right hook. That was like really his only, the only chip he would ever play. So I had to design an, a, a whole game staying away from that one area that he liked to use, right? Whereas this fight, 
Stevie will wrestle you, he'll go to the ground, he'll attack leg lock, so he'll kick you, he'll punch you, like where it's kind of all over the place. So there's no real one area that I have to avoid. I just can uh, allow myself to be a lot more freed and a lot more flowing and, and just work in between the different disciplines and, uh, and just be better at every discipline. That's, so it's, it's a lot more fun for me for sure. <laughs> All right, guys, Cajun Johnson, a lot to unpack there, but uh, I know it's getting late in the evening on Thursday night, so I, I don't want to spend too much time on it. But, uh, you know, I, I will say this. I, I'm not one of those people who pretends to know what all the answers are and pretends to know what the right move is here. I mean, because there's still so many ways, but I do think, you know, I, I, I like I, – I love what Cajun said about having multiple CBAs, collective bargaining agreements among fighters with organizations. I mean, UFC uh, – you know, and Bellator and one, they can't all pay the same. They can't all, you know, if you, and I think that's one thing that's always, if you try to get like the regional promoters of the world to live by the same standards as the UFC or Bellator, it's not going to happen. It's going to be detrimental to the sport. But I love the concept of maybe being able to say, okay, listen, Mr. Regional Promoter, we know that you can't do things this way, but here's what we agree that we need to be compensated at, what needs to be provided, that sort of thing, and, and doing things kind of individually, and again, not, not taking care of just UFC fighters, because don't get me wrong, the UFC has 90% of the best fighters on the planet, there's no question about it, but... There are other organizations. There's other people that have needs, too. And I love the fact that th th this is potentially more all-encompassing. So uh, I just want to say, again, especially with it being a fight week and him having so much going on, uh, kudos to Cajun for giving us the time. And I, I just thought presenting a great case. I thought so. And I think I said to you as soon as, as, soon as Cajun left the room, what an impressive individual. Um, this is a guy who he isn't someone who's highly ranked in the UFC, um, but he, he feels like he can contribute. And... His voice is just as relevant as Conor McGregor's voice when it comes to collective bargaining. Uh, because the idea of collective bargaining, everybody's in the same pot together. One vote, one person, everyone's in there. And it's interesting because we've seen different organizations crop up. Some have come and gone, all the rest of it. We both went to a press conference in, in Vegas for the PFA, I think it was. Right. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll let you say, say what you think if you want to. But, I mean... From my point of view, I was two and a half minutes into that press conference and I knew that that thing was doomed. Yeah. Um, because the attitude was one of uh, resistance. It was one of abrasion. And it was it was just completely the wrong way to go about anything. If you want to reach accord with someone, you need to talk. You need to talk. You need to find common ground. You need to have an appreciation for the other side. And once you start to do that, and as long as you do it from a reasonable point of view, that starts to open doors. It might take a little bit of time, but going in saying we want X, Y, Z, or we're going to do X, Y, Z, yeah. that's not the way to do it. You might end up at that point if you've exhausted all your options, but you've got to do things the right way. And I thought the way Cajun spoke there was so impressive. And uh, you just hope that this isn't a full storm. We've seen a couple of others in the past. If this is going to happen eventually, let's hope that it's done properly and from what Cajun says it's coming from the right place and he seems to have his head screwed on so all power to him Simon speaking of doing the right thing 
Let me talk to you about Health IQ real quick. MMA Roadshow is sponsored by Health IQ, an insurance company that helps health-conscious people like runners, cyclists, weightlifters, and vegetarians get lower rates on their life insurance. Go to healthiq.com road to support the show and to get your free quote. You know, I'm an old man now, guys. I said it. I'm 40 years old. I've had life insurance for a long time. I'm not going to lie. It's important. I think you got to have it, especially when you got a wife and kids. you got to have that stuff, man. But if you don't have life insurance or maybe you're just trying to get a better rate, you got to get a hold of the people at Health IQ. As Cold Coffee would tell you if he was here right now, it's all about better science. Health IQ spent years gathering the science and data to prove the health conscious deserve lower rates. Over 1 million people took their Health IQ quiz and formed the basis for the scientific analysis of the relationship between health and health knowledge. They took all the years of data and science on the health conscious to the top carriers and partnered with them to get the lowest rates on life insurance for the health conscious which I promise I am going to be more health conscious now that I am 40 because I want to be 50 at some point. Health IQ can hook you up with lower rates by just taking a few lifestyle quizzes and submitting actual data like race results, runkeeper data, which is apparently a thing. You reach out and they take you on a journey learning about your lifestyle and your choices. It's like getting good driver rates. If you're health conscious, they'll help with the underwriting so everyone understands the specific stats and information that pertain to you. To see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com slash road or mention the promo code road when you talk to a Health IQ agent. Okay, a couple other things on the list before you guys get out of here. Uh, did you guys see Dana White's son boxing? Picked up an amateur victory. I didn't see the fight itself. But I don't know right, if it's available I don't think they – no, but I thought that was wild. So I just want to ask what you guys thought because I, I, I thought it was crazy, number one. So he's been training for a while. Um, I had actually seen him training a couple times at the Performance Institute. I never reported it, and I was kind of torn on it, right? Because I knew it was news, right? I mean, Dana White's kid is fighting, but it's also like, that's your kid. You know, I don't know. It just felt weird to me. So I never I never talked about it. So it was kind of cool to see him put it up on Instagram. But his kid's been training. I mean, obviously, he has access to high-level trainers. Uh, so it's not like he's just kind of getting in there ill-prepared. Uh, my understanding is his kid's actually a, a pretty sick athlete. I think he's a quarterback on, on his football team and all that stuff. Uh, but got in there and and, uh, and picked up an amateur debut. But in boxing, not not mixed martial arts. I thought that was intriguing. You know, if uh, maybe there's a future Zufa boxing uh, prospect there. But I did talk to Dana briefly about it because uh, you know I have a son that's training uh, martial arts. And I love it. It's my favorite time of week. Is going to Extreme Couture and watching him grapple and watching him strike and all this. I love it, man. I just love, I see the the confidence that he's building, the skills that he's learning. I love it, man. It makes me so proud to see. Uh, but there's no part of me that wants to ever see him fight whatsoever. You know, people are like, ah, oh, do you want to see it? Hell no, I don't want to see my kid get punched in the face. But it was funny because uh, uh, Dana actually admitted, because I asked him, I was like, listen, man, that had to be more nerves than you've had in a long time. He's like, dude, I was sick when I was walking out to the flight. He was like, I was physically sick. So uh, I don't know, it was pretty wild. Dana White's son, boxing. I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's necessarily planning a career. I think he just wanted to, to, to take a shot at it, but pretty interesting. You know what's crazy? It's 2018, and I, and for the life of me, I couldn't find any clips of uh, of Aiden White's performance anywhere online. Like, I'm thinking to myself, there's got to be phones in the arena, maybe something on Instagram, on Twitter, but nothing at I'm all. I'm pretty sure they had that under lockdown, I bet. How old is he? It's, it's, uh, I think he's 17. Okay, uh, so he's old enough that the child protection issues are largely cleared <laughs> yeah. well no I mean in the UK for example no no, no I mean oh, in the, kids can't, kids I don't mean can't. from a people punching each other in the face right. point of view I mean from a sharing content oh, on social media point of view oh that's interesting no I bet they had online it was, it was at Peter Welch's boxing gym is where it was but I was told that like uh, like Lorenzo flew out there and you know I mean like they had a bunch of people there so I, I bet they 
asked not to. They may, yeah, they may have had to sign disclaimers where... They may, yeah, they may have had to sign know, like NDAs or something. You're not allowed to use social media. Because that you know. can't be by accident. You're absolutely right, Sandu. In 2018, it can't be by accident. No way. Or are you saying that it didn't happen? Or are we saying it's perhaps something that needs to be discussed on Conspiracy Corner? Mm, conspiracy Corner! <laughs> <laughs> Big shout out to Fiasco Jones. He's, if, if you can't get enough Fiasco Jones on the MMA Roadshow... And I don't think that's very many of you by the feedback I get sometimes. But if you can't, <laughs> he has now got his own podcast, which is awesome. I listened to it, and it is peak Fiasco Jones. My God, the things that he was talking about. It, I, I was lost. I will admit, I'm a simple man, and I was lost. It's also surprisingly uh, quiet. <laughs> he must have he must he have invested some high quality audio gear he, he, to he suppress. Dials it, he dials it up when he comes on the MMA Roadshow. Yeah, what's up with that? He keeps it quiet on his own show and tries to ruin ours. A uh, couple quick things. Uh, speaking of Dana White, Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. Um, there was a story that came out in Kombacha, actually. We'd kind of heard this. They were planning a Brazilian version of it. All Brazil um, was actually told a while back that they were planning on starting it next week. Um, that it was originally going to film right after this, but they've pushed that back. Um, sounds like they're, they were having some trouble figuring out the logistics. So um, still probably going to happen, uh, but probably in Las Vegas. They think it's cheaper and easier there uh, to, to do everything. I mean, they've got all the facilities right there. So it uh, d- does seem like Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series is going to come back. I mean, everybody's high on it. I love it, man. I love, you know, just a handful of fights quick two-hour window. Again, I like watching prospects. I love seeing the next generation. But it sounds like they're still going to do an all-Brazilian version uh, at some point. I did want to say, too, Merbeck Tysimov, him being ruled out of UFC 223. Yeah. So sick of that, man. You guys have had the opportunity to see him fight over here a lot, of course, because he can't come to the U.S. He's had these visa issues. I, I, I asked, I was told that most of the visa issues were just basically boils down to the fact of, of, of his ethnicity and where he's from, this country of origin. Not necessarily that he's got a huge, you know, history of, you know, killed somebody or something like that. So, damn shame, but um, – it's tough, man, because if you're the UFC, here's this dude that is really good, and you can't fight him in the United States, which is one of your key markets, especially when it comes to building stars and getting guys exposure. I was gutted, man, because I am high on Tysimov, man. I think he is really good. He's a top 10 guy. You know what I'm guy. saying, Sandu? High on Tysimov. <laughs> you know what I mean? Very high. <laughs> High as a kite, some might say. Um, he was, he, he's a top 10 guy, maybe even, a, you know, given the right opposition, Eventually, a top five guy at yep. 155 pounds. He's that good. But no one in their right mind who is ranked in the top 10 is going to take a fight flying halfway across the world to fight him in Hamburg, Germany, right. Rotterdam, the Netherlands, right. London, England, because there is zero upside. He isn't ranked because he's not been able to fight the ranked guys. But if you're looking just ability-wise, he deserves to be at least top 15 Give him the fights. He's in the top 10. Give him more fights. He might even break the top five. I was told there's a remote possibility that this might eventually lead to his release because their hands are just tied and they respect the hell of the guy and they think he's talented, but they can't use him and, and they don't know what to do with that him. That would be such a shame. I think he would be a superstar for someone like ACB or Fight Nights Global. Um, but And hell, I mean, he might you know. he might be the one asking for his release if he's like, if I can't fight in the U.S., I could be Fight Nights Global. I could be ACB, and I could make big checks doing it. You know, well, he's so not maybe... earning now, is he? That's the problem. Yeah. You know. All right, listen. Uh, before we go, I should say uh, this week also, uh, with all the milestones that were there, it also marked the uh, introduction to the world of the Leprechaun Teabag. Oh my goodness! 
So, uh, back, listen, we're here at the Airbnb, and you, you make do, okay? And, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about it. The, uh, the bean counters are kind of, you know, they're kind of watching the budget a little more, right? So we, we haven't, you know, we've been doing our Nando's, which is very reasonably priced. I love Nando's. But other than that, you know, we haven't really been going out, hitting the pubs, running up the tabs, you know, because we've got to watch what we're spending. So we've been trying to stick around the Airbnb, have some cocktails, that sort of thing. So the other night, Abby, uh, now he, he messes up with videography sometimes, but he's fantastic in the kitchen. He's been cooking breakfast. He's been awesome. And he was making some green tea. And I was like, man, green tea. That sounds pretty damn good. Can I have a green tea? And he's like, yes, you can. Brought me a cup of green tea. I was like, that is a fantastic green tea. I was like, you know what would make the second cup of green tea even better is some of that whiskey that's sitting over there in that bottle. And so Abby said, I got you, John. Green tea with whiskey. I'm like, let's see what this tastes like. And you know what? It was pretty damn good. So I said, you know what? Let's have a third one of those with some green tea and some whiskey. He said, no problem. I brought, he's like, I brought plenty of tea. I'm English. I got tea. So thank you, sir. So he makes another green tea with whiskey. I said, you know what? We got to come up with a name for this. Now, I maybe had a couple cocktails before. Maybe it had two bottles of wine before the whiskey. But obviously, you're, you're trying to come up with a name for something. What's well, green? So you go with the leprechaun, and there's a tea bag sitting in the drink. So leprechaun tea bag it is. But it, it didn't stop there. We may have been partaking of things that were leading to creative minds at that point. And Speak I said, you know, what, you know what would really make this leprechaun – yeah, don't, don't drug test me. You know what would make this leprechaun tea bag a true leprechaun tea bag is if when you have your coffee cup full of your tea – what you do is, now you can kind of picture this as I describe it. You take your coffee cup and you turn the coffee cup to where the handle is at 12 o'clock. It's facing directly away from you. And you hold the tea bag right there on the inside of the cup so that on the inside of the cup, the tea bag is secure at the 12 o'clock position where the handle is. Then you lift up as you finish your drink, as you get that last sip. You lift it up and you drink it like that. So that at the very end, the, the the tea bag that's still in there just touches you ever so slightly right on the nose. <laughs> Leprechaun tea bag. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>